When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Let's get you caught up with everything happening with Ohio State football. The number one Ohio State Buckeyes, the college football playoff rankings, were released for the first time this season on Tuesday night. And to no surprise, 8 and 0 Ohio State is number one, ahead of two teams from the SEC, LSU and Alabama, and a little bit of a surprise. Penn State from the Big Ten in at number four. That means number two versus number three is happening this week, LSU versus Alabama. And then down the line, we are looking at Ohio State versus Penn State, number one versus number four right now. The best teams in the country are playing the best teams in the country and jockeying for position there. Ohio State number one, undefeated, a good win over Wisconsin, other solid wins over Indiana and Cincinnati. Very good in all the statistical formulas that the playoff committee cares about, and they are eye-testing through the roof. Some people maybe thought SEC bias in that committee was going to put LSU or Alabama at number one, but we are not surprised that the Buckeyes are number one right now, although they may drop to number two after this LSU-Alabama game on Saturday. On Saturday, Ohio State will be playing Maryland as something like a 44-point favorite. Maryland is on a four-game losing streak. Three and six on the season. Mike Loxley, the head coach there, really good recruiter, good quarterback guy. Should have been hired by Maryland four years ago. If he had been, Dwayne Haskins probably would have been Maryland's quarterback and not Ohio State's quarterback. And that means maybe Dwayne Haskins, as a fourth-year senior starter at Maryland, would be facing Ohio State right now. But Maryland hired DJ Durkin back then. They got back to Mike Loxley now. Maryland had a big win early in the season against Syracuse and then kind of has uh, fallen off a cliff when your only Big Ten win is against Rutgers. You know that you are in trouble. They've been blown out by a lot of other good teams and uh, certainly expecting another blowout for Ohio State this week. We're going to have to watch and see how much Ohio State players stay in this game. Ryan Day did talk about this week that guys need to play. So if you're waiting for Justin Fields and Chase Young to be yanked out in the first quarter, I don't think that's going to happen. Next week is Rutgers for Ohio State. This is a two-week lull in the season before a big finish against Penn State and Michigan. Those are your Ohio State headlines. And now, get ready for Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice, Stephen Means, and Nathan Baird. Guys, we are going to dig in on the playoff stuff right away. 
Then we are going to take questions from our loyal, loyal, loyal tech subscribers, and then we are going to eat some frickin' pizza. So let's get to the playoff stuff first. We'll work in some questions from people. Nathan, you've been the guy who's kind of been doing playoff projections for us all along the way. You were on the conference call with Rob Mullins, the playoff committee chairman, last night. You wrote, I think, three stories off what went down last night, and people are... Only two off of what went down last night, and then yesterday morning I had, had the... You had correctly the, previewed the, and the told people what yes. would happen. Uh, some, some. Not the whole thing. What the, the, the thing that I thought was the most important thing, we knew Ohio State was either going to be one or two. It was going to be LSU and Ohio State at the top. And, and actually, like where they landed is not the most important thing, but it's your first window into what the committee thinks of Ohio State. And it's not just where they're ranked, but it's the way that Rob <coughs> Mullins chooses to synthesize the discussion and explain it to the world. What was your reaction to the way Rob Mullins talked about Ohio State? I think it was, again, what we've been talking about here on the podcast, what I've been writing about for a few weeks, was that Ohio State had the most compelling case for being the best all-around team in the country right now, as far as things that they've demonstrably proven on the field. Um, and I, I think it was telling that, because I, I asked him, and he, I think he said something also on the ESPN broadcast that was essentially the same thing. But tell you know go explain more why what is it about Ohio State that is so dominant on both sides of the ball and I thought it was telling that he brought up Chase Young by name that when you start talking about how great of a team defensive team Ohio State was I think that really Im makes an impact on the committee it can't just be you know every team in college football every team that whether it's Oklahoma um, Oregon you can go pretty far down the list and find teams that are really strong offensively. But the number of teams that are, can actually call themselves really strong, really elite defensively and offensively is a very small list right now. And I think that ultimately is what put Ohio State over the top. They wanted to recognize which team is doing, is, is playing at the most elite level on both sides of the ball against what is also a schedule that I don't think people around the country have given enough credit to. It, no, they don't have wins over three teams that were in the top 10 at the time of the game, the way LSU does. But the balance of their schedule um, and the way, maybe mo most importantly, the way that they've kept beating the crap out of those teams on that schedule is what I think made the difference in the committee's eyes. I want to run through this very quickly because I know people like uh, lists of names. And just so on you podcasts. on yeah, podcast, I thought we could maybe read it's the compelling sound. Read the transcript from Rob Mullins. <laughs> Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Let's read this like Rob Mullins. The committee believe that Ohio State's body of work. Um, Rob Mullins, when I went, and you guys know that I went and did the mock playoff thing. Rob Mullins, the chairman, flew. He's the AD at Oregon. He flew in from Oregon to hang out with the mock committee too, and he is not a robot. He just sounds like one on TV when he's forced to get on and explain the thinking of 13 different people as if it's one cohesive thought, and it's right. not cohesive. No. Get in a room with 13 people, let them argue for a day, and then come out and try to synthesize in ESPN sound bites what they thought, and you might end up sounding like a robot too. I have been very critical of robot-sounding committee chairman in the past. Kirby Hocutt was the worst. Um, but I do, I got a better view of like, it's hard. And like, we made fun of the fact in the room of like, oh, now how are you going to go explain this? And it's just like, mm. like it was like cliche of the week. And it's like, you know, you have to say cliches because you can't say, well, Gary Barda really liked 
right. LSU, but then Paula Boyvin jumped in and like smashed his argument. She cr- <laughs> So here are the people in the room, just so you guys know. Again, it's a mix of current ADs, past coaches, and some other random football experts. The, the current ADs are Rob Mullins from Oregon, Gary Barta from Iowa, who replaced Gene Smith this year. This should have been Gene Smith's last year on the committee, but he retired, not retired, he quit a year early because his presence in the room and not in the room was hurting Ohio State. So Gary Barta from Iowa is now the Big Ten representative. It's an AD from all five power conferences is how they do it, plus a non-power five. You also have Joe Castiglione from Oklahoma who has been there. He is recused whenever Oklahoma is discussed. Is it just the schools or when the big when that conference just is? Just the school. So okay. he can talk about Texas or Baylor or okay. anybody else. Just I, Oklahoma. I was a little unclear of that, the way that they were talking about it on the yeah. uh, call last night. Terry Mohair, who is the uh, AD at Arkansas State. Uh, Todd Stansberry, who is the AD at Georgia Tech. And Scott Strickland, who is the AD at Florida. Those are the uh, the ADs who are on it. The other people who are on this committee are Frank Beamer, former Virginia Tech coach, Paula Boyvin, who was a longtime sports writer uh, in Phoenix and is now a journalism professor at Arizona State. There's always one media representative. She's that person. Ken Hatfield, former coach at Arkansas and a couple other places. Chris Howard, who is the president of Robert Morris University but played college football. Ronnie Lott. You know who Ronnie Lott is. He cut his finger off so he could play in a football okay. game. One of the great defensive players of all time, and I want to make a point about that with Ronnie Lott. Ray Odenero is the former Army Chief of Staff. He's the guy who I was in the mock committee. He's like a four-star general. They like to have, again, like sort of weird people in there who also know about football. R.C. Slocum, the former Texas A&M coach. So those are your people. And when Rob Mullins is talking about Chase Young by name, I think he is parroting Roddy Lott. I think that's what some of that... I almost wish... They have current ADs. They have a bunch of former coaches. I would like to have another good player or two in there. Yeah. Because I guarantee you, Ronnie Lott talked about Chase Young. Now, I don't think you should pick who's in the playoff based on who has like the number one pick in the NFL draft. But this is what they're talking about. Rob Mullins brought it up, as you said. Why? Because people in that room are recognizing great individual talent and how that makes your team a cut above a team that is very close to them. Yeah, you, you hear them mention a lot of quarterbacks by name, or if they're not mentioning by name, they'll say, well, you know, LSU and Ohio State both have great quarterbacks. But there was one defensive player that I can remember that was named in any way last night, and it was Chase Young. And that just really jumped out at me. I thought that that... And again, it's it's not going to make the difference probably a week from now. I think whoever wins this LSU Auburn game, which will be LSU Alabama or LSU Alabama, I'm sorry, which will then give um, that team whoever wins that game will be the only team with a win over somebody else who was in the top six or top eight or whatever. I think now um, that'll probably jump that team to number one. But it just it, it exemplified to me what this committee thinks of Ohio State as a whole. And if you look, especially when you compare that head to head with LSU, yes, LSU has some nice wins. But go look at like pretty much any defensive number for LSU, and it's like adequate to below adequate right now. They love balance. Here's a specific question from the five one five, and and now we're going to get into a lot of what ifs, right? Because now that we have a baseline of what they think, now we start trying to project. Well, what if based on what they think? What would it mean if this happened or if this happens? Yeah. It's sometimes it's you can if yourself into oblivion 
when you don't have that foundation because you're guessing at what you think they think. Now you're also guessing at what might happen. Now we know what they think. What they think will change, but we know they really like Ohio State. And like that basic fact isn't going to change. Ohio State is what it is. They're not going to forget how to play defense. They're not going to stop being balanced. You know, like the things that they like. Interesting thing for the college football playoff right now in that the top four involves only two conferences. What are the chances with close games in those conferences, if LSU-Alabama is close, if Ohio State-Penn State is close, that it ends up this way? Tell me I'm not crazy, but I have absolutely no concern about the Buckeyes losing any game. I think they run the table to the playoffs. The concern level for the next four games is a 1-1 and a 3-3. This is a person who's very confident about Ohio State. But I think the interesting thing there is, Stephen, could you possibly... And, and let's throw out the idea of like, well, Utah and Oregon each finish with three losses. Oklahoma loses twice more. Clemson loses three. You know what I mean? Like, of course, if like all the teams in all the other conferences all lose then you would get here. If things kind of stay normal, which is, a, you know, there'll be a, a loss or two you don't expect. Could you envision any scenario, and I guess it would have to involve the two games, Alabama LSU and Ohio State Penn State, both being close, with both losers looking really good. Could you imagine a world where the four teams are two from the SEC and two from the Big Ten? No, because... Clemson's, they're the reigning champions, and if they continue to, if they win out, they're going to get in. And this is kind of set up. Okay, for them okay. To... So let's, I just said, let's not give three losses to everybody. Let's do this. Okay. Clemson's a one-loss ACC champ. There is a loss okay. somewhere then coming yeah. up. But they're not undefeated, because that's a separate conversation I want to have later. Right. Clemson's, and it's the biggest wrinkle. Yeah. Clemson's not undefeated. Now, is it any more possible? Then, yeah, I think so, because... Whoever loses those two games is only going to drop down, but so far because of who they lost to. If the game is close, so yeah, there is a possibility to where if Clemson's not undefeated and like it's a bunch of one-loss teams and it's two of the two of those teams are undefeated basically, and the other two have one losses. Yeah, those could be the four teams who get in. I think it's plausible, but as someone you would probably agree with this, who set since you're someone who sat in that room, that's not what the committee is rooting for. I think the committee wants as many undefeated teams as possible on the last day of the season to kind of make their job Much as easier. easy as possible. The the idea, the, the question at hand here is, can good one-loss non-champs who lost two playoff teams get in ahead of champs? And if it's an undefeated, undefeated champ, if it's an yeah. undefeated champ, then I think no. the answer is no. Right. But you already, no one thinks Baylor's going to run the table. So let's like, uh, if Baylor's undefeated, we'll get to that when Baylor's undefeated. Let's assume the Big Twelve champ has a loss because Oklahoma already has one. You are going to have. There's no undefeated teams left in the Pac-12. Notre Dame is not undefeated. So the only team that really throws the wrinkle into this is the Clemson thing. And I guess I'm sure we have a question in here about this. We can have a Clemson discussion right now. But it's when you start going head to head that when they both, if they both have one loss, and that loss for Penn State and LSU, or the, uh, let's, let's give the win to LSU. Let's give the win to Joe. Those losses for Bama and Penn State are really good, are competitive. Two teams that make uh, against teams that did make the playoff. Then you're asking, well, Clemson's a one loss champ, but they didn't have to play Ohio State or LSU. If they had had to play them, they probably would have lost too. And you know. I, I think it's we've seen it happen. We've seen Alabama as a one-loss non-champ get in ahead of a champ, ahead of multiple champs. We've seen Ohio State as a one-loss non-champ get in ahead 
of champs. I think it would be possible. I think the important thing in there, and you can speak to this, Nathan, because I think you wrote about this a little bit, too, like the idea of Penn State being four ahead of Clemson right now is very interesting. On one hand, it's the first week they can do what they want. On the other hand, they have laid down a little bit of what they think of Penn State versus Clemson. A little bit, and that was one of the things that surprised me, and I imagine it was probably a pretty fiercely contested debate. I put Clemson in on my guess as the four, partially because I didn't have a lot of as much faith as maybe I should have in the committee to fully objectively look at it and say we're willing to, in theory, leave out an undefeated defending national champion. Now, when they're pressed with that question again in a month, how do they look at it? I, I don't know because the, the landscape will have shifted so much. But I, I do think it did tell us, I think, again, you're looking at, they're, they're respecting Penn State's full, um, broad performance on both sides of the ball. And I think they're also respecting, and and and, um, and the chair said this as much after, Mullen said this as much afterwards, that Penn State's strength of schedule is something that they respect, even though Penn State hasn't yet played Ohio State, hasn't yet played Minnesota. Yeah, even. their strength is so yeah, only getting better. Right. Yeah. That's two undefeated teams, two eight no teams that they have not played yet. They'll play in the next three weeks. So they and Wisconsin is still on their schedule. A team that they obviously still respect. They had them thirteenth on the ranking. So they really respect not just what Penn State has coming, but what Penn State has already done. They had a narrow victory, a one touchdown victory at home over Pittsburgh, a big rivalry game. I think Pittsburgh is a team that when you look inside some of the numbers, the committee probably respects more than say North Carolina, which Clemson just barely beat. There were just a lot of those little factors, I think, probably made a difference here. But if uh, strength of schedule is a big one, I think when I averaged together, if people saw my piece on Tuesday morning, I averaged together three different strength of schedule because I didn't know which one the committee was going to use. I tried to just kind of approximate what where they might be coming from. Ohio State was a clear number one in strength of schedule among all of the contenders. Oregon was two and Penn State was barely behind them. And then Clemson was way down middle of the pack. So I think that was really a determining factor. They are looking at teams and saying it's not just it's not just your performance, it's who that performance has come against. And Penn State is really getting the benefit of the doubt right now. And it's one of those things where, and again, the people who still hold on to this idea, and some coaches do, that like a win is a win is a win is not true in the playoff era. The North Carolina win that should have been a loss, even though it wasn't a loss, it hurt them that it was almost a loss. Yes. It enters the thinking. And like Penn State hasn't had a game like that. But, Stephen, when push comes to shove and Clemson is the undefeated national champion, getting in. the chances of them being left out are... Zero. You are not leaving out an undefeated reigning national champion. It's not happening. And it did come up, and it's an interesting... It's the exact, the exact parallel is Florida State in 2014. Mm -hmm. When they were the last national champion of the non-playoff era, they were unimpressive... With a star quarterback in Jameis Winston, just like Clemson has with Trevor Lawrence in the same conference, unimpressive all year. And that is the mock year that we did when I was there a month ago. And you can feel it in the room. And I think they could have Clemson fifth or sixth or whatever all the way through into the last thing. And then when it gets down like, oh, this is the one that actually matters – all these are mumbo jumbo. Mm -hmm. It you are trying to establish a baseline of thinking, but there's no you don't no one is holding you to that to that thinking. And again, all it takes is like four of the thirteen people to kind of be flippant or not even flippant to be but be willing to be open minded in the first month. 
And then when push comes to shove, when it matters, be like, well, I can't leave out the undefeated reigning national right. champ. Yeah. And and it came up in the room, in the mock room. People brought up, but they're the defending national champ. And other people said, that doesn't matter. We're not looking at last year. But you can't take it out of the room. Right. You're not allowed to really say it because that's like, it really does not matter. You cannot say... My reason for ranking Clemson in the top four is because is because they won the national championship. But we last all year. know that's the reason. But you can't take a vacuum and no. suck it out of their ear right. and say, right. it, "Get right. that out of your head." You just change your vocalization of your rationale, but it still affects you. I want to say two things, kind of along this line. Number one, I think we need to stop nationally talking about Clemson as if they are some sort of um, tainted. I think that's happening a little bit in the national narrative. Is they had but, the one but, close loss. They did have the one close but loss. But this proves they are tainted. Yes, but I'm saying, but but people are looking at it as if um, they they go look at their performance since that game, and they've just been absolutely obliterating people since that game. They did have the one slip up. It's a slip up that teams like Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, and even Penn State have not had so far. And so that is reflected, I think, in these standings. But I almost think that we've started to talk about Clemson as in, well, even if they go undefeated, they shouldn't get in over this conversation that maybe they shouldn't get in over a one loss, whoever. That starts to become a really tough conversation for me. And it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that they would be the defending national champion. I really do think Clemson is easily right now. I don't know how you don't call them one of the five best teams in the country. Um, they weren't passing the eye test for a couple of weeks, though. Like outside early on, that, a couple of yeah, weeks outside they of that yeah. North Carolina, and when you had the 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 perceived Heisman favorite, and you're like trying to go thirty and zero and all that stuff, and then all of a sudden you're just like you're going downhill every single week. It's getting worse and worse, and then you almost lose. I think it was more of that than like I think, yeah. the North Carolina thing. I think some of that buzz isn't the right word. Whatever the opposite of buzz is. Uh, is still baked into yeah. how people think of Clemson. Unbuzz? And yes. now, D-buzz? And now, yeah, now they're playing Wolford and like, yeah, you're beating Wolford. I, I'm not giving them a lot of credit for beating Wofford, yeah. but I am giving them, I mean, it, I, the, the the combined score of the last, ever since that North Carolina game was, yeah. I put it in my thing the other day, yeah. like 200 and it's, something. Yeah, yeah. 45-14, 45-10, 59-7, 59-14. They've been yeah. beating him the way Ohio State would probably beat those same teams is kind of the point. Or yeah. LSU. Now, hold on, the other quick thing I wanted to say though, if for the one Clemson fan who's listening, who's like, yeah, you're right, here's the other thing I'm going to say. I saw some of you griping on Twitter last night saying, oh, it's all about style points. That's why, yes. you know, Ohio State's number one. That's why blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so I went and looked. Ohio State, <clears throat> sorry, the average score of Ohio State's games this year is 40 to 6 after three quarters. So basically at the point where they have either already pulled their starters out of the game or are about to pull their stars out of the game, they're already having laid waste to these teams. So it's, I think style points is a factor here, but not in the way that teams think. This isn't people out running up the score in the fourth quarter to make themselves look good. It's Ohio State having coming out and just flattening teams, and, and this is probably the same goes to LSU and Alabama. I know it, it applies to the way that the committee looks at Alabama because Mullen said it on multiple occasions. Why does Alabama's somewhat weak schedule why do they still get the benefit of the doubt and be the three seed because they're coming out and just trucking people and that's the same thing that's happening with Ohio State so if you're at Clemson and you think that your team is getting slighted right now go back and look at where your scores were after three quarters or after almost four quarters in the game against North North Carolina for instance I think that's what's making an impact on the committee the other thing that I have I think everyone has to keep in mind is that the ACC sucks ACC is awful. I mean, I, 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 I don't understand how Wake Forest is 19th on this ranking. Because 
they ran out of teams. You think they should be lower? Oh god, yeah. But there's no, but then it's like they're but you, if you know Minnesota is, is seventeen, then I don't know how Wake Forest is nineteen. The ACC is an abomination, and now the the issue is if you leave out a power five, any undefeated, like if there were, if there were, if Minnesota goes undefeated and wins the Big Ten, and like doesn't get in the playoff. Well, that would be the people would too. go bonkers. So, like the idea of any Power Five conference undefeated champ not getting in is like impossible to process because it's like, what are you supposed to do now? The uh, the counter to that is the ACC sucks. Yeah. So, if you don't want to have people ponder this idea, possibly don't suck so hard and be such an embarrassment that I'm not so sure the American is not better than the ACC right now. And Miami and Florida State and all these other teams in that conference that could be good suck. So if you are a Clemson fan, keep in mind your conference sucks. And that's no one's fault but your conference's fault that you suck. Conventional wisdom actually says the American is better than the ACC right now. They have more teams than the top twenty-five. Um, so, if you, I don't know how much stock you want to put in that. It's it's goofballs like me voting, and there's obviously some Wake Forest fans that are, are not uh, fans of mine this week. Um, but the other thing is, bring it. But this bring is, it, Deeks. But will take you on. But again, this is why <laughs> this is why we have this isn't nineteen eighty-one where it's just guys looking at and girls looking at box scores in the paper and trying to figure out who's good. We have ways of measuring this. There are metrics that the committee has that look at relative performance. And so that's why a team like Alabama is still the three seed. That's why I think Clemson will ultimately end up in the top four because, yes, the schedule's not that good, but you have a way to look at a team's performance relative to that schedule. And if they're obliterating people at the same rate that another team would obliterate them theoretically, that's going to have an impact on the team. So who's the one lost team who gets left out between those four? Let's just say in the world Ohio State wins and well, I think Alabama it depends. and yeah. LSU wins. Okay, it depends let, on who wins again. Let's hold on a second because there's one quick point I want to make on this one mm. last time before we move on, which is that the ACC sucks. <laughs> and I'm not even sure. The fact that like Miami and Florida State suck right now, Florida State fired their coach in the middle of the year. It's Florida yeah. State. I'm not even sure who's supposed to be good in the ACC. These are the other teams that Clemson is playing in conference this year. Is Georgia Tech supposed to be good? No. Is Syracuse supposed to be good? North Carolina, Louisville, Boston College, NC State, Wake Forest. Sounds like a great basketball conference. Florida State fired their coach in the middle of the year, and then everyone else that Clemson has played, and they haven't played everybody, but everyone else they've played is supposed to suck at football. What well, what would be the spread if Minnesota and Miami met on a neutral field? Minnesota and Miami? Yeah. What's Miami's record? I'm uh suck, suck and suck. They will, Minnesota would be favored by thirty. No way. <laughs> no way. Bro, row your boat right up to <laughs> South Beach. Get out, walk on the sand, look at everybody in their bathing suits, go to that disaster of a stadium in South Florida, and kick the hurricane's butt. No offense to Tate Martell. I'm just saying Miami has some bad losses. They don't have any like incredibly ugly losses. Even have a four point loss at Florida. I'm just saying. That's week one. There's. I, I would love to see what that spread is because I think I'd hit the Canes on that. Is game. Clemson? That's. Is that who Clemson's going to play in the ACC championship? No, they'll play Wake Forest. I believe. So we get two Wake Forest Clemson matchups in the last three weeks of the year. 
I'm not saying that the ACC sure. should be disbanded. I'm think I'm saying that it maybe should be disbanded and made just like the old Big East, make it a basketball only conference. Why are they bothering to try? Why even try? Give up ACC. No, Ma- let play, Clemson uh, be undefeated. They might play. No, they're in the same division. Let yeah, Clemson be Miami independent. All right, maybe Miami can save us from this this fraud of a Clemson team. I just I just landed on Clemson's a fraud. I don't know that Clemson's yeah, that's fraud. A, that's a tough one. It is not fair. It could be Pittsburgh, actually. It's not fair to let Clemson walk through the daisies through this abomination of a conference while everybody else is like having to play real games every week. And like the Pac-12 is has been has the Pac-12 is like out, right? Yeah. The Pac-12 is like out. Yeah, maybe Oregon or they might have a shot as one last. They might have a no. shot at number four, but they're probably out, and it's because their conference is too good. There's probably there's uh, if you lined up the ACC and the Pac-12 and said list the eight best teams in the ACC and the Pac-12. I say be. this as someone who doesn't give a crap about either of those conferences and knows nothing. I'm not so sure the answer wouldn't be seven Pac-12 teams in Clemson. And Clemson's the best team of that group. So they like, are, but they don't have to play Oregon, Washington, Stanford, correct. UCLA, Arizona State, Arizona, Washington State, whatever. People who can give you a test. Right. They got tested once by North Carolina and Mac Brown, 65-year-old Mac Brown, who instead of retiring, decided to be North Carolina's coach again. It's his retirement home. And in his retirement home, he almost beat the team that's the defending national champion. He's a legend. And nobody else tests you. I don't want to hear Wake Forest. Play it. Pull this out. We have to do that thing at the beginning. We did the headlines. I did like the little news thing. They pull that out, and I think they put it on the Google machine to try to get to promote the podcast. Pull out that that section. Pull out that section. All the times that I said the ACC sucks, and send that to the South. Send it down there, and let them listen to it. Because you know it. If you're a Clemson fan, I'm not attacking you. I'm attacking the fact that your team gets to tiptoe through the tulips on the way to the playoff while everybody else has to play real teams. It's just a fact. Give up football. Let Notre Dame and Clemson both be independent football powers, and everybody else can play basketball only, and this will solve itself. Let's get to another question about the playoff rather than just shouting. Burning off some calories for pizza. Yeah. We're going to do pizza at the end. We're going to do pizza at the end. Does Ohio State, this is an interesting proposition. I think this is where Ohio State fans who don't want to hear rants about the ACC for two hours, this is where I think Ohio State fans' heads are because your heads are in two places. If the Buckeyes win out, are they number one? And what happens if they lose? From the 3-3-0, does Ohio State with a good loss to Penn State get in over a one-loss non-SEC champ Alabama or LSU and a one-loss Pac-12 champ. But do they get in? Because, again, we just, we're just we assuming a world. You have to assume a world where Clemson's undefeated, and you have to assume a world where um, the Alabama-LSU winner is undefeated, and then you have to assume a world where if Penn State beats Ohio State, they're undefeated. Because then it gets easier than that. So let's assume, let's assume the worst-case scenario for Ohio State. You lose to Penn State. Well, there are the worst-case three... scenario is if they lost to Rutgers. <laughs> I would say I would I will put this out there. If Ohio State loses to Rutgers, Rutgers after 150 years of college football, Ohio State should drop football. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think Rutgers could seriously be considered for the college football playoff if, that, if they pull that off. The the worst possible possible outcome 
is a third is a is a loss at Rutgers. No, if you are the first person to ever put into the world the idea of Rutgers <laughs> losing, even in like a even Rutgers an apocalyptic winning. scenario, like they just get a field goal off at the end. I mean, what is more, it is more likely that life as we know it ceases to exist before the Rutgers game. Then Rutgers beats Ohio State. They might burn their stadium. Though. I'm not saying. Genuinely. They genuinely just, might burn it Are down. you picking Rutgers to beat Ohio Is that what no. you said? I'm making. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I'm a, picks Rutgers over Ohio State. It's about, it's about you know, uh, syntax. And uh, I'm just saying that technically the worst possible outcome would be Ohio State losing I Rutgers. think, shout out to our friend James Grega, who used to cover uh, Ohio State in Ohio State football for 11 Warriors and was like a high school assistant football coach and is now the head coach of the Ohio State club football team, which is club doing very well. Rutgers. The Ohio State club I team. Let's call Grega. Let's get a James Grega quote on the record. Our club team could beat Rutgers. <laughs> yep. Also, Greg Schiano is going to get hired as like the Rutgers coach like the day before the Ohio State game and like introduced to the crowd in New Jersey on the field yep. at halftime. Yep. And he's going to do the... In 311 days or whatever, the Jim Trestle Michigan thing, yep. <laughs> our boys are going to go up and make sure and make us proud and beat Liberty and go 4-8. and eight. I guarantee it. <laughs> we will make Rutgers fans proud against every F- FCS team in America. No more shall we lose to UMass and Liberty. This is a new era in Rutgers and the Big Ten. I guarantee four wins a season for the next decade. I guarantee covering the spread at home against Maryland and Indiana. The next time Ohio State comes into this stadium, they will be no more than a 38-point favorite. <laughs> He's going to be the head coach there, by the way. Like You guys can go read the reporting at NJ.com and yeah. our, our tremendous colleagues in our company, James Cratch, Keith Sargent, and Steve Politi, who do a great job covering that team. He's going to be the next head coach at Rutgers. Um, Rutgers stinks. <laughs> We're just going to say this. All next week, the Rutgers podcast is just going to be a two-hour-long Greg Schiano <laughs> fake speech. Um, I can't, I can't even remember what I was saying. But uh, but th- that so let's let's yeah, so have, let's have to... this specific discussion. Penn State. Let's just give let's let's make it as difficult as it can be for Ohio State because I still think they might be in. <clears throat> Alabama beats LSU. Alabama's undefeated. Clemson is undefeated. Penn State's undefeated. They are three undefeated champs. They're all in. The competition for the fourth spot is now. One loss Oklahoma as the Big 12 champ. Either one loss Utah or Oregon as the Pac-12 champ. LSU as a one loss SEC team who lost only to Alabama. And Ohio State as the one loss Big 10 second best team that lost only to Penn State. Of those teams, who gets in the playoff? I texted about this with my tech subscribers this week and I got a lot of pushback on it. I think Ohio State gets in. I don't. I think in that case, I think it becomes Oklahoma or Oregon or Utah or whoever the one-loss conference champ is because... I was leaning. See, we're we're trying to make sure our voices are the same uh, audio level on the mic. So I'm back a little bit farther, and I started to lean towards the mic, and Nathan stuck up his finger. (laughs) This is good. Because... No, no, no. (laughs) Because when you go look at the criteria that the committee uses we can talk a lot about these kind of nebulous things about um about performance on both sides of the ball and relative whatever one of the main things that they point to one of the things that is a foundation is conference championships won i think you're misreading yeah for how that's a tiebreaker but how they say that's a tiebreaker 
How much does but this will be like a six how, way tie? No, but but if you believe, if they are telling you in your evaluation, if you think that a team is clearly better than another team, you don't have to think about conference championships. I think and they pick LSU. Why? Over Ohio State in why? that situation. I think they'll look at like the strength of schedule. But they just looked at all the things that they're going to look at then and right. decided Ohio State's better than LSU last night. They've already well, declared that, Ohio that, State that, but that's, LSU. That's too Number one, that can still change in yeah, the next so, four yeah, weeks, too. Yeah. Well, that opinion assume can that, change. Let's assume that Ohio State... I don't, I don't agree with that. Well, to explain more. I think at the, if they're both one-loss teams, and you look at the, the schedule that LSU had to face, just like on... like Obviously, the things have, have changed since then, but LSU has played a stronger schedule than any t- team in the country right now. And yet, Ohio State has passed... Not them. true. Yeah, that's Ooh. also like... Go ahead. Okay, finish, between finish. these four teams that are in the top four right now, it's not true. Who's, he really, you, he, he ate the microphone. On yeah, that you point. did. Who's, who's playing? You think Penn State schedule? Is Ohio the State has played the toughest okay, schedule the, among the, team, the. So right now we're debating Oregon one last champ, Oklahoma one last champ, one loss LSU non champ, one loss Ohio State non champ. Yeah, I think first, I'm I'm agreeing with Nathan that it's not, it's not going to be one. It's either going to be Ohio State or LSU, and between those two teams, I'm picking LSU. But but what I'm saying to you is they just evaluated Ohio State and LSU on LSU doesn't have any great games left. They already played their good games. That's so true. so you're they've already evaluated. This is why I'm saying Ohio State would be in. They've evaluated Ohio State and LSU. Llsu is playing number three. Ohio State's playing number four. But they've evaluated them eight weeks in. But, yeah. no, but we're two thirds of the way through. What would change? Let's assume they both have good losses to the teams that are in the top four. If you're saying that LSU's strength of schedule would get them in, it didn't get them ahead of Ohio State right now. Right, but also you got to remember Ohio State's about to play two. But that's nothings. not that's not what it's. But it does. It it's does. Affect, it is going to affect. But, but there are humans yeah, right. in that room. There are humans in that room. They're not going to say, "Well, we did have Ohio. We right, thought Ohio State was better than LSU, but then Ohio State played Rutgers and Maryland, so now we're no, evaluating no, 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 them no. again." But I'm just saying that again. Some of these some of these decisions are razor thin. And because you've been in that room and you know that you know that there's a, that some of these come down to, to very tight calls, and I think what you're going to see in these next couple of weeks is that because Ohio State is playing essentially nobody now, again, it's all relative to how they perform in those games. If they come out and win 59 to nothing the way Penn State did at Maryland or whatever, then that obviously helps them. I'm just saying it's it's possible that the landscape does shift a little bit, not doesn't flip, but does shift a little bit. That 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 standing could erode a little bit. The so, other thing I was going to say though is is you're saying that, yes, there's humans in that room. I think that also applies, though, and why I'm skeptical that Ohio State would get that pick. You would be talking about, at that point, an Oregon team that had won 12 games in a row since losing at Auburn to open the season. That's going to carry some weight with the people in that room. You're going to be talking about, uh, and, and won a conference championship, you'd be talking about an Oklahoma team that won a conference championship and whose only loss came on the road against another team that's fairly high in their rankings. Auburn will have three losses by them. Yes, but I think that, again, as we saw with teams like Wisconsin being 13th and some of the other rankings, I think they're looking beyond just wins and losses as to how they rank some of these teams okay. and, and, the, and, the, and the respect that they have for some of these wins and losses. Okay, I'm just I'm, I'm trying to – this is a very specific scenario that I think is interesting to talk about. You guys did not bring up the thing that I think actually might factor against Ohio State, which is their loss would be at home. 
LSU is at at Alabama, which makes it harder for LSU to win, which also makes the loss a little more excusable. That actually, I think, might be a point in Ohio State's favor. But I will say this. We all have varying opinions on this podcast. I think it's interesting when we have a discussion and we disagree. I hope we point out various things to you guys as the listeners. But I will tell you here, I am 100% right. (laughs) They love Ohio State. They Clearly love, they do. and yeah. they after have. Eight weeks, yeah. They have after what? After eight weeks. Yes. After two thirds of the season. Okay. Yes. After okay. Eight weeks. I mean, like your argument is is off. The LSU LSU's final games, other than Alabama, are Ole Miss, Arkansas, and Texas A and M. They don't play anybody as good. The, Ohio, yeah, but you're saying this argument is only between Ohio State and LSU. He's picking LSU to get in ahead of Ohio State. I'm saying things. it's only between Ohio State you're, and LSU. You are both arguing against Ohio State getting in in different ways. You're leaning more towards a champ would get in. You're yeah, saying I'm, LSU. Yeah, would I'm get saying in. it's either. I'm saying it's between Ohio State and LSU. And again, to be clear, I just wanted to make it clear. I'm saying you're wrong and you're wrong. Ohio State has Michigan left, which is a better opponent. If you consider the Alabama and Penn State opponents equal. Then Ohio State has a Michigan opponent that's better than anybody else that LSU has to play. LSU's best, LSU's hay is in the barn as far as what they can show, other than this game that is being played this week. The committee has told you they like Ohio State more than LSU. If they both lose to a top four team and Ohio State is playing another better opponent than LSU at the end of the year, why would the committee then decide that no, we, now, Right now, LSU and Ohio State are equal. They're on the same footing. They're undefeated right now, and they like Ohio State better. At the end of the year, in this scenario we're playing out, they're equal. They're on the same footing. They've lost to a top-four team. It's their only loss. Why would they change their mind and say, no, now we like LSU better? It's not going to happen. I'm not they saying like I Ohio just... State better. That's Steven's argument. Your argument is they put in the champ. They have put in non-champs when they love them. When they love a non-champ, and they feel like the non-champ has a broad base, statistically, strength of schedule, eye test, and they say, we know, we know without a doubt that Ohio State is one of the four best teams in the country. And I think if, now, if Penn State beats them 52-3, to that's a different thing. But that's not what we're talking about. Yeah. This question is two close losses. They love these guys. Oregon, what's Oregon right now? What's Oklahoma right now? They are down there, Right. They put Penn State ahead of those teams. They put, they're already not respecting those one-loss conference champs potentially that much. I'm telling you, if Ohio State plays a competitive, tough game against Penn State, and this is the scenario that comes out, they're in as the four seed. Every, what you're saying logically makes sense. I would just, my point is that, A, I'm, I'm, skept, I'm, I'm hesitant to take the reality that lives today and apply it 100% to the reality that'll exist in four weeks because things do change. And I think, I, I just, it, this is why there should be, this is why the four-team playoff is stupid, by the way, because because this is what it comes down to. It's why you don't want to be one of these teams that's that's on the cusp. I just, again, I, I think, you know, Oregon's strength of schedule is pretty solid. Oregon, at that point, in, in what we're talking about, would have another win um, at Arizona State. They would presumably then have a win over Utah. And they'll have again. It's I, I think those sorts of things are going to sway the fact that they would have won twelve in a row at that point and won a conference championship um, against another team that at that point would be pretty high in the rankings. Presumably, I just I I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying that I wouldn't pick Ohio State, but that's not the question. The question is, would Ohio State get in at that point? And I'm skeptical. That I, I think, think you, I think you make compelling cases, especially for Oregon in that case. I think that. 
I mean, again, this is it's Ohio State's in really good shape. And that's the main thing is what do they think of them? They we thought they would love them. They love them. So that proof is there. Uh, They are in as good of a position you could be in as a one loss non-champ. And again, in the history of the playoff and the five years of the playoffs, the three non-champs who have gotten in is when Notre Dame gets in as they're not in a conference. Alabama gets in in 17 over a Big Ten champion, Ohio State, as a non-champ. As the four seed, they win the national championship. And Ohio State in 2016 gets in without getting to the Big Ten championship game. Penn State wins the Big Ten championship and does not get in. What's I'm looking at what a one-loss Ohio State team would have in common with Alabama and, and Ohio State. They have a lot of equity that they've built up. They lost to pretty good teams. And I, I just think all this, everything they've done has increased their margin for error. Yes. In Again, everything that, you're saying makes sense, but you also have to apply it to what the rest of the field looked like in those years, too. It's not in a vacuum. It's not just what Ohio State has done. It was what those Ohio State and Alabama teams were relative to how many other teams were involved. No, in the, and, and the context changes every year, which exactly. is why it's hard to apply principles right. from year to year. Um, but I'm applying the principle of if they love you, they'll give you the benefit of the doubt. And again, I think they love them now, and I think they might still love them. If Penn State beats Ohio State in Ohio Stadium, Penn State's going to be number one. And so they're going to have a loss to number one at home. Uh, maybe. And, and we're assuming it's a pretty close loss. Uh, maybe they'll be number one. But at why, that point, if LSU why? has beaten Alabama on the road. Just like Penn State beat Ohio State on the road? Right, but Penn State's coming from farther behind than LSU is. I think that would pull, pull, but also pull Penn, Penn State, State up. Penn State has to play Minnesota yet. Penn State has to play Wisconsin yet. Right. Listen, I do But you're talking I, about just about the Ohio State win. I don't know if that alone would be enough to I'm vault saying, them if LSU has beaten Alabama I'm, on I'm the road. I'm saying at the end of the year when they're trying to put people in, Penn State's going to be number one. Undefeated, if an undefeated Penn State, Undefeated Big Ten champion Penn State is number one. And that's who that's who over Ohio, undefeated over Alabama. or undefeated LSU at that point. Why wouldn't they be? Because LSU would have a win, Alabama, and then just like Ohio State has a win at Ohio State, who's the number one team in the country? Yes, but they but LSU at that point would potentially also have a win over Georgia, which is the number six team on their list, right? And 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 Penn State would have wins over Minnesota and Wisconsin in the regular season. Uh, the, it won't Minnesota. be Minnesota. Yeah. I'm going on the record; it won't be Minnesota that they play for the Big Ten. No, but they played Minnesota this week. Who will have two losses by that point? They're going to lose to Penn State. I feel I, to, you guys. I feel some SEC bias sleeping in. I don't know why. I don't know why any of this. Why would it win? Georgia lost to South Carolina. Let's go down this road. Georgia go, sucks. But you know, I don't. We're not talking about Georgia's resume. We're talking about these teams relative to where they actually are in the standings that but, the CFP but, but, has put out. You're saying that what's that, Georgia? What's Georgia six. right now? So that, but and Wisconsin's 13, and if they keep winning, they'll move up. They'll be in the top 10. So Penn State beats Wisconsin in the Big Ten championship game. They beat Wisconsin and Minnesota in the regular season. You guys are applying a standard of respect to these wins in the SEC that I think is that unrealistic. The that the committee has been doing? That the committee did not do this year because they have Ohio State number one and Penn State number four. And I'm just, I, I just, I. I'm just saying that you're one of the points you're making is where these teams are relative in the standings right now. LSU is ahead of Penn State right now yeah. and will have then Which also Which you didn't use in your at argument Alabama. at all. You I said, well, let's look where they are right now, and that was your part of your argument was well, let's ignore what they look at right now. 
And part of your argument is, well, yeah. let's see what else they can do. I'm telling you, Penn State has three more good wins in the regular season in the Big Ten Championship game yet to put on their resume if they go undefeated. All right, we're off on a tangent. But so does LSU. LSU still has the Alabama win, and LSU still has an SEC Championship win to put on their resume in the scenario that you're talking about. That's all I'm right. saying. They have, they have two good wins yet to add. Maybe. And yeah. Penn State has four. And they're already ahead of Penn State. They're two spots ahead of Penn State. Right. And Penn State's going to add four good wins, and they're going to add two. Uh, it depends on how good you and think their the best win. It depends is on how be, good you think the Minnesota win. Would their be. best win is going to be over number one Ohio State. LSU is beating a team ranked lower than them. Right, but that again, that Minnesota win, I don't think is going to look as good at the time they're making the final. I love decision. the Big Ten. I'm pro Big Ten. I mean, if you guys want to have an SEC podcast, you can have an SEC podcast. Well, I, <laughs> it's a, it's a, that's a th- way to th- twist this. this. No, that's what we do. Wait, I take that back. That's what I do. <laughs> Listen, I just really think – I've lived in a world where the Big Ten has been disrespected right. in polls, in committee rankings, and justifiably so. They are not being disrespected right now. Oh, you and can't so possibly we, argue that. We, we, we have to evaluate – there is a tendency of everybody in the college football world to value everything that happens in the SEC as slightly better as what happens elsewhere. Right, but and there's I'm, two Big Ten teams and two SEC teams in right. the Final Four. So they're, so they're, they're exactly even right okay. now. right. And I'm, what I'm saying is, in that world where things are exactly even, I think it's quite possible that when the wreckage, when you come out of that wreckage, there's there's four top teams, two in each conference. The number one team is from the Big Ten. And we are arguing a world where the two teams that emerge from that undefeated, I'm saying when that happens, the Big Ten team is going to be number one. I, yeah. what you, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I, I am saying that I'm, I'm giving more credence to the fact that LSU is ahead of Penn State right now, and I, I'm also the my my opinion of what that Minnesota win is going to look like at the end of the and day. The next three highest coloring this. The next two. three highest teams are SEC teams. After that, if you're if we're just looking at those two conferences, and LSU will have beaten all those teams by the time we get to get around to things. I think whoever wins, but they've the already big, beaten them. I think whoever wins the Big Two championships game right. is going to be beating a two-loss team. It's going to be you're going to be beating who the Big Ten Wisconsin champion? or Iowa. Yes, while the while the SEC champions beating the one-loss team. Yeah, probably. That loss to South Carolina, who sucks. But they that, still put them sixth. Again, <laughs> you're talking about where they actually are. You're saying, look at what the committee is actually saying right. about what they think about these teams. Georgia's sixth right now. And but Florida, and potentially and Florida's 10th with two losses, and, the next, and Wisconsin is 13th with two losses. Where's Michigan? 14th. 14th. They group a lot of things. I, the, the one thing I came away with from there is also, I think we, when we discuss things, can get caught up in like, well, this team is seventh and this team is ninth. And so if you no, beat them, I don't the, get, yeah, the, yeah. The, the beating seven is better than beating nine. Or sometimes we think, well, their strength of schedule is 13th and their strength of schedule is 21st. And 13th is better than 21st. They group a lot of things in like, if it's in the same range. Right. So with the schedule strength, if somebody's schedule strength is second and somebody's is 83rd, that matters to them. If someone's schedule strength is 12th and someone's is 23rd, that's close enough to yeah. them that it's not a deciding factor. Yeah, if it, you have wins over number, you know, whatever, if whatever Minnesota is, if Minnesota's, six, what's Minnesota? 17. So, so like, this is who Penn State has yet to beat. They beat 17 Minnesota. They beat 14 Wisconsin. They beat 14 Wisconsin again. And I know they're going to move down as they lose. But, but LSU is beating number six Georgia, but they don't have anybody else good that they beat. Like, they're going to... It all is pretty close. And so, like, it's 
Penn State would end up with more wins over top 25 teams than LSU would by the end of the year. So you would also put in Penn State over LSU if those are the two one-loss teams? No, because Penn State, because the thing that elevates Penn State is beating Ohio State. That changes. I'm a big believer in absorption. So Penn State is something right now, which is very good. If they beat Ohio State, they become something different. They become elite. You absorb the strength of the team that you beat. And so I think it just changes the – because right now they're evaluating like the best Big Ten team is the best team in the country. If if the best Big Ten team all of a sudden is Penn State – I think they may look at that evaluation the same way because I think Penn State is is pretty balanced and is good on both sides of the ball. And, you know, they can start talking about how good K.J. Hamler is and how good Micah Parsons is and all this stuff. They're not Chase Young. But I just just think we have to acknowledge that they like the Big Ten. And, yes, your point is a good one about, well, George is higher and then Florida is higher and they are acknowledging the SEC as well. But I don't think, you know, the fact that Minnesota and Wisconsin and Michigan are all in the top 20, that matters. That matters to this. They're get, the Big Ten champ is going to have a collection of good wins, and I think the way it stands right now, the Big Ten champ will be number one. I mean, I kind of look at it the other way. I think it matters that Minnesota is 8-0 and is only 17th on this list. That that tells you a lot about what the committee thinks about well, Minnesota. A, well, there's a two-loss team who's in the top ten. There's multiple two-loss teams ahead of Minnesota. Yeah. Look, if Minnesota if Minnesota runs the table, if Minnesota beats Penn State and then beats Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship I mean, yeah, game, gonna, beats Wisconsin, I mean, they absolutely deserve to be one of the four best teams. But as of right now, undefeated, they're lower than some two loss and one loss yeah. teams. Kansas State's ahead of them. Wait, wait, no, wait. I just think I think I think the Big Ten champ will have a good collection of wins. Oh, I think I think Ohio State's going to be the undefeated Big Ten champion, and I think Penn State, if they're the undefeated Big Ten champion, would have a very strong case for number one. Okay, that was yes. too much on that. That was too much on that. Let's take a break and come back with more of your questions. We're going to go um, about another half an hour, 40 minutes on football questions, and then we're going to pick up this whole operation, move it to Giordano's. Stephen, when is the last time food went in your body? I think Sunday morning. I got up at like 9 a.m. and like ate a good breakfast. So we are now at 11 a.m., on Tuesday, the pizza's not going to start going in your body much before one o'clock Wednesday afternoon. At that point, you will have not eaten for fifty hours. I'm hungry. Genuinely Is that correct? Hungry. Fifty hours. I'm genuinely hungry right now. Fifty hours. That's the, that's the math, right? I, uh, Sunday, I, I'd Monday like to morning, see some receipts. Monday on this. to Tuesday morning. How are you going to see receipts on my stomach? I think that's partially why I sent the email. Like, hey, can we wait till the Big Ten championship game to do this? Because let, let, I was hungry. Let's let's make that clear now. You tried to back out of this. I didn't or, try to no, no, no. delay. I tried to delay it until a week where, like, I don't have to go do something at eight thirty at night, and I was starving. Eight thirty. If you can't, if you can't. Six this hours is, this later, is coming from the go cover a basketball game. By the way, I've covered basketball games. Not that taxing of an enterprise. <laughs> so if you can't true. do that six That's hours later, true. then again, it this only confirms people, my belief that you will not This is coming from the people do who don't have to do it. But I think mostly because also I was... coming from the people who never said they true. could do it. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, it was coming from a place of hunger. Um, 
I was very hungry, and like my roommate was making food, and I was like, "Man, I really, I'm, I'm but hungry." Now, also to be clear, we didn't say that you couldn't eat. Ironically, for 50 no, right. hours. ironically enough, he was, was eating pizza. That was <laughs> that was your chosen strategy, and and much like choosing to do this in the first place, I think it was the erroneous one. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna come back, talk about some football, then we'll pack up and go to Giordano's. Thanks to you guys for listening to Buckeye Talk. All right, we're back on Buckeye Talk. We're going to dive in. Actually, we just remembered that that some uh, of you had asked for this. Uh, Basketball has started. A lot of teams played on Tuesday night. Ohio State opens against Cincinnati uh, on Wednesday night. As we record this on Wednesday morning, so... Uh, for the people who want who want basketball stuff, we're going to pr- do maybe 10, 12, 15 minutes on basketball, then get to questions, then get to pizza. Uh, if you're not as interested in basketball at this point in the season, you can you can skip ahead a little bit. Um, how good is this Ohio State team going to be? And let's start off that discussion with where they might possibly finish in the Big Ten before we start talking about potential NCAA stuff. I think they're a top three, top four team in the Big Ten at their peak right now. They're good, but they're young. Um, I don't that Cedarville win. I mean, there's a Division two team, so you can't really take any stock in what they did last week. I think DJ Carden's going to have a little bit of a learning curve. He's he's used to being the alpha athlete on the court, and that's no longer the case. And and Chris Holman has uh, alluded to this. Like, it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get used to like him not being the only talented guy on the floor and having to just adjust to the fact that there's another guy on the other end who can who can go, hey, I can do what you can do as well. You're not that special anymore. Did I, he look what did he look special against Cedarville? Did you see things that made you think like, man, that guy's gonna be something? Yeah, yeah. There was a stretch in the second half where like him and Caleb Wesson were just like back and forth, like they were the offense. And I think by like January or February when you're deep in the Big Ten, I think that's where like your the bulk of your scoring is going to come from is those two. For people who, and you just use anybody that you can think of, people who aren't incredibly familiar with DJ Carton right now, again, he's he's a five-star, right? From Illinois, yeah. huge get for Chris Holtman to get him as a recruit. Like, what kind of point guard is he? So when I talked to him over the summer, he said his, he kind of compares to John Wall. Now, obviously, John Wall is an NBA all-star when he's healthy, but like watching him in person and then seeing how I can see what he's talking about. They're both these like really fast guys who can go from zero to 60 extremely quickly. They're athletes. They're pass first guys. I think DJ might be a better shooter than John Wall was at this point at 18 years old. Um, but they also are still at that age. They're still learning how to put the brakes on and like, you know, when to slow it down. Now he's got great change of speed, but once he gets going, he's just kind of going. How much are they going to push tempo? Does Holtman want to let him get up and go? Or yeah, if he gets the rebound, he's gone. I think he's, he said any of his guards and Andre Weston, if they get the ball, they can push it. Everybody else are looking for a guard. But like Luther Muhammad, Dwayne Washington, C.J. Walker, and D.J. Carden, and Andre Weston, they get the ball, go. Andre, or excuse me, Caleb Weston, I know in the ESPN preseason rankings, was like the number six player in the country. Yeah. That seemed high to me. Yeah. What what are we? Ta- I mean, we are talking about a guy that's putting you in the area of first or second team All American. Yeah. We know he's dropped a ton of weight. Um, what would that look like if if it, it? First of all, do you actually think Caleb? What are the chances that Caleb Wesson is like one of the ten best players in college basketball this season? And if he is, like, what does that mean that he's doing? I don't know if he's one of the 10 best basketball players in the country. He's clearly one of the 10 best players in the Big Ten without question, especially seeing him last Wednesday. That weight helped. I asked him yesterday, just like, after the first four minutes of the game, how did you feel? 
versus how you would feel after the first four minutes of like last season when you before you dropped 32 pounds. He said it was a, a major difference. He could feel it in his jump shot and on defense, especially. He does like he doesn't look. He's going to be in foul trouble a lot this year. He's their best shooter, and they can use, because he's dropped all that weight. They can use him in other places other than just giving him the ball on the block and telling him to work down there. And so it creates a lot of extra space for them, especially when you've got two point guards who are actual playmakers. So what's his athleticism level now? When, with the weight dropped, how athletic is he, or is he still sort of like a more of an old man game? He's not his brother. Yeah, yeah, he's not his brother. Like it's almost like if Jared Sullinger would have ever stayed in shape, then that's what like I think it looks like. Where like he's not a freak athlete. Now he can defend on the perimeter a little bit better. He's not. He's not as date. Like it's not like last year against Syracuse where they're gonna run a screen and roll and get him switched on to you, and now they can just abuse you the whole whole entire second half. They act. He can actually sit down for these short stretches of the game and actually, you know, play some defense right there. But his athleticism hasn't changed much. It's more his conditioning and his ability to stay on the floor 35-plus minutes a game if they need him to. Are they going to run the offense through him? I mean, the thing – and I'm just very disconnected from this basketball team at this point. Um, When Jared Sullinger was at his best, they ran the offense through Jared Sullinger. If he got singled, he scored. If he got doubled, he kicked to a shooter. He was a really good passing big man. If you have a big man that can do that, that is a way to win. Same thing here, if they can knock down shots. Obviously with the change. He's a good passer? Caleb's a good passer? Yeah, I don't know if he's Jared Sullinger level because Jared was an All-American at it from the moment he stepped on campus. But like he's a good enough passer to where he can make plays out of the post. Okay, so then we're talking about ball handling because they have more than one guy who can handle the ball, right? They have a big man you can run the offense through. Yeah. And now, as you're saying, the last part is shooters. Jared Sullinger and John Diebler work the two-man game post kick mm-hmm. to the corner as well as I've ever seen it worked in college basketball. Jared Sullinger made John Diebler awesome. John Diebler opened up space for Jared Sullinger to work. Mm-hmm. Who are their shooters? And that's the question right now. Uh, C.J. Walker can shoot it a little bit. Obviously, Justin Orange can shoot the ball, but I don't know what like his minutes are going to look like as, in the rotation as a sophomore this year. So really, you're down to Dwayne Washington and Luther Muhammad have to knock down shots. Luther Muhammad is streaky. He'll, he was shooting 40% for the months of last season, and then the Big Ten season hit, and he went downhill. Dwayne Washington would have games where he shot the ball lights out, but then he would also have games where he couldn't hit the rim. So like they have to find guys who aren't streaky shooters, and that's what their problem is right now. How good are they going to be defensively? Better. Better. I think Alonzo Gaffney is an interesting thing here because, like, if you saw him walking down the street, you would think, oh, that's an NBA prospect. That's a top 10 draft pick right there. But then you get him on the court, and he's still, like, very underdeveloped. I think his game can kind of go a lot of different ways just because of his size and his athleticism. I think DJ Carton is still learning how to be a defender at this level. CJ Walker, obviously an older guy, knows how to defend on this level. I think this is still like Chris. Chris Holtman's teams are still defensive first, but like because you have a lot of young guys, guys are still learning how to defend at this level in the system. Is there any chance Carton's one and done? I think he's talented enough to be one and done. I don't necessarily think that he will be one and done, just because I think this is a better draft, and especially because of how the international play is right now. I don't think he'll be one and done, but I think he's talented enough to at least be on some draft boards. And we'll go into his sophomore year thinking. He's gone after his sophomore year. The the thing, I mean, it's like one of those things. Like you want him to be great, but, but yeah, maybe not too great. Yeah, Thad uh, got burned twice by guys who were really good and were too good, and he lost Mike Conley and D'Angelo Russell before he thought he was going to lose them. Yeah, and great for the kid. It's not about. I mean, of course, nobody is rooting against DJ Carton. Hope DJ Carton. Hope every player on on every college basketball team in the country scores fifty points every game. But for the program, like two 
really good years might be more advantageous than one unbelievable year. And that's the answer. Those two guys played themselves into being top five draft picks. One got to a national championship game, and the other one was literally the entire offense. I don't know. Like it would have to be that same scenario where DJ Carton plays so well, and they get or they get so deep in the tournament that everybody's watching him. That all of a sudden you're thinking he's a top five pick, and I don't know if he's a top five pick after one year. So let's move to. So you think they're top three four team in the Big Ten? Yeah. What, what's a successful season for them? And it, it, it's hard. There's a lot of randomness in yeah. the tournament. Like, is there a Sweet Sixteen standard for this? Should 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 people believe that this team can make a regional final? Like. Uh, I don't know. Like, is making the tournament? I, I'm trying to figure out where people should have their expectations. A for this team, but also B for Ohio State basketball in the Chris Holtman era. Because in the Thad Mata era, at its peak, they made the Sweet 16 yeah. like, all the time and challenged for the Final Four. Um, is that where this program should be getting? Of like, yeah, a Sweet 16 is not like a reason to have a parade. It's like, yeah. That was good. We yeah. acknowledge that was good, but that's sort of what the expectation is. And it should be this season. They got to the second round in the last two seasons, which was overachieving. If they end their season in the second round, it's not going to be overachieving anymore. They've got your best players in his third year here, and like he's he's one of the best ten best players in the Big Ten right now. You've got a talented recruiting class full of four four star guys, and you've got like your guys are young, but everybody who's going to be in the rotation played major minutes last season. So yeah, at this point, just getting to the second round is good. They need to get to the second week of the tournament, whether that's a lead eight or sweet sixteen. All right, I'm good. You good? I'm good. Uh, that was fun. I like Chris Holtman. Um, I had questions. I didn't have questions about him as a coach when he got here. I got a, I had questions about him as a recruiter because yeah. it's just so different to recruit at Butler and like sort of dig for gems and find three stars and every now and then, you know, maybe beat a Purdue or an Indiana yeah. for a really good Midwest kid that you really connect with, but you're not trying. You're not going up against the big dogs in recruiting. And at Ohio State, you know, as Thad proved, if you try to make your living going up up against Kentucky and Kansas and Duke and recruiting against them like that, you're going to lose and you're going to hurt yourself. But you're recruiting at Ohio State in the one one level below Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, North Carolina, right? You have to be on that next level. And that level is above Butler. You have to recruit against Michigan State. You have to win some battles against Michigan State. You have to, you have to, if there's a five-star kid in Ohio that Duke wants, you have to be able to keep one or two of those kids home every now and then. Maybe not win every battle, but I didn't know about his ability to do that. And it's probably maybe was unfair just because he hadn't done it. And we all, until you've done something, Maybe it's hard to believe in it. DJ Carton to me felt like, a, okay. Yeah. Like, and again, it's not to put pressure on DJ Carton, but the fact that DJ Carton is here already to me shows me something about the Chris Holtman era. Now let's see what DJ Carton does on the court. Yeah. You hope for his sake he develops. I think Chris Holtman is a great point guard guy. That's probably part of It's like Ryan. I asked Ryan Day on Tuesday about when you're a quarterback, how does that help you recruit quarterbacks? Chris Holtman is a point guard guru. Mm -hmm. That has to help him recruit point guards. So if DJ Carton gets it done and is awesome, that's the one thing. It's like you say, well, you hope they have DJ Carton for more than one year. If DJ Carton blows up, the next five-star point guard in the Midwest is like, I want to play for that guy. And they're already so there's no getting, downside. They're already getting in the room of these five-star. Obviously, they're going elsewhere, but they're at least getting in the room of some of these guys. So credit to him for that. So, like, I, I mean, Chris Holtman turned out to be a really good hire for them. I think he represents the program in, like, a really positive way. Uh, I think he's got a lot of energy, but I feel like he's grounded. He doesn't feel like a used car salesman type of guy. Yeah. Um, 
And I think the recruiting has shown, and now it's the next thing. Because at th- at some point, like in the next, whenever their up year is, and I don't know, like maybe, like, it's hard, right? Because if Carton comes back next year, Caleb's gone. So this is, mm-hmm. so it's like, okay, if you have the really good point guard and the really good big man, maybe this is your up year. And yeah. I do think if you're going to have a program like this, your up years have to be contending for the final four. Yeah, uh doesn't mean like it, it doesn't mean you should be fired if you well, don't no, make no, the final I, four. I have but. a I have a different theory about about that, but I think that's something you say for later. I I don't I I think Caleb's a great player, obviously, but like that style of player, like the Jared doesn't necessarily work anymore unless you have it. Then yeah, you have to you have to use it. But I don't know if like four or five years from now, that that's what they're going to be playing. Through. So they could be could they be even if they lose Caleb and Andre, which they're going to after yeah. this season. Could they still be really good next yeah, year? Yeah, because EJ if, Liddell fills that role of, and then uh, Justin Suing, who will be basically the new Andre Wesson for this team next year. He's uh, transferred, so he's not playing this year. He's sitting out. But yeah, I think they'll still be good. They'll just look different. It won't. They won't be playing through a big man the same way. But people don't because Caleb might again. He's ranked as number six player in the preseason by ESPN. Because this is probably his last year, that should not hang over this program as like a, hey, no. you got to get it done with this guy before he leaves. Because, no. you know, I mean, it's when you have it going good, you know, Evan Turner was the player of the year for Ohio State, and, and he left, the and they had, they had the Aaron Kraft, <laughs> yeah. uh, Jared Sullinger class come in, and they were better. You know, so it's like you lose the national player of the year, and you're better. Maybe that's what Holtman can get to. But at some point... They 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 need to have a year where they're like in the top five the whole year. Yeah, yeah. When Chris Holtman took this job, you could just tell with the reverence that he spoke about Ohio State. Like you know, I think he was comfortable at Butler. I think he saw what Brad Stevens had done there, and that you could achieve a lot at Butler. Although some of that might be sp- limited to the circumstance of having Brad Stevens as your head coach. You're not most often and get the two NBA. national championship games back to back. And, and yeah, having Gordon NBA, Hayward just kind of very belatedly in his life decide <laughs> to give up tennis and start playing. He uh, rose seven inches. Yeah. 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 However, I, I just the reverence he spoke about this job, I think he understood it as a place where what you're talking about should happen. Like this is a place with the resources and and just the and the history here. There's a good basketball history at Ohio State. Um, I know it gets overshadowed by football sometimes, but there, there's been great basketball here in the short and long term. So I think he sees it as a place where you can come here and really build something. And I I think he seems to me as the kind of coach who can who can get there. I do think it's it's one of those. I think the threshold is a down year is middle of the pack in the Big Ten, mm-hmm. probably still make the tournament. Yeah. I'm not saying you They're have like to make the tournament seed. every yeah. year, but like. In a in a ten year stretch, I think Ohio State should make the tournament like eight times. When you don't you know? make the tournament, it should be because things really went sideways on you from an injury standpoint, right? Or um, you something off the of, court that or, you, you or lost you, a lot of guys and you're regrouping. You're really you're young and yeah. building. Right. Well, or yeah, or yeah, you you recruited too well and you lost yeah. to the draft before you could replenish it. Something like that. That happens from time to time. It does where you just guys really blow up on you, and the next thing you know, the cupboard's bare. So. Uh, but that, I don't think – this seems like a coach and an institution, a good marriage of that, and we'll see what he does with it. So so, so down year is still tournament or borderline yeah. tournament, middle of the pack. Good year is like you might fourth or fifth in the Big Ten. You're competing at the top. Yeah. You win a game or two in the tournament. Mm-hmm. And then like a great year, which I think should happen – Three times in ten years, you probably get to the final four. You're you're contending to win the Big Ten championship, 
and you are a legitimate Final Four contender yeah. for the whole season. Well, I mean, Hovland walked in and and did that. I mean, got them within one game of winning a Big Ten championship. I know they didn't have you know the NCAA success that they wanted that year, but um, and that's before he was able to come in and like really build his program. And I think I, that can go both ways. Sometimes you'll say, oh, he was just drafting off of what the, you know the previous program yeah. or whatever. But I, I feel like he's a guy that can really build something here. All right, that's our basketball preview. If you're coming back in on the fast forward, we think most of you are. Uh, I, I don't think like you listen to this podcast because you're a college football fan first. I think you listen to this podcast because you're an Ohio State fan first. And we mostly talk about football, but you probably also care about basketball. And like chicken sandwiches and competitive eating. I would like to get back into more robots and zombies, but we'll save it for Rutgers week. Uh, I don't know why someone asked this in the 843. Nate, people call you Nate. They can. They can. They can? Sure. I didn't know that. What about Fan? Can we call you Fan? Uh, not a fan. Nate, what are your favorite TV shows? Like, he did not, not ask Steven and did not ask <laughs> yeah, me. We don't care so about we us. will sit <laughs> this out. This person, I don't know if it's your relative. I don't know if it's someone that has a crush What's on area you code? from the 843. I don't even know what Nate, that is. Nate. What are your favorite TV shows? And we'll sit back again. You guys can fast forward. Nathan's <laughs> going to go about 15 minutes on TV shows he this likes. Is, this is the Charleston, South Carolina area code. So we're really going to the... the, the uh, Someone really cares about you. To the shores to get some, some, some Buckeye fans or fans of my viewing habits. Um, that's a great question. I, I really like... Um, God, what have I been watching recently? I mean, I have like a list of like 12 I could run off right now, but you didn't ask me, so... <laughs> Um, I, I watch a lot of uh, my fiance and I watch a lot of just like um, dumb comedies or or not dumb comedies, but we watch a lot of like you know Brooklyn Nine Nine, um, The show. Office, Parks and Rec. Um, we've been watching Big Mouth recently. Um, we've been watching old reruns of Veronica Mars recently. But like uh, of my favorite shows, I'm really getting into um, Succession. Um, a big fan of Black Mirror. I tend to go a little bit darker. Um, this is where, like, I'd say I usually split off on our viewing habits. Um, so Succession, um, uh, Black Mirror, um, God, what am I forgetting? Um, um, Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, um, you know, good murder. Yeah. My, like, my favorite shows of all time, I mean, a huge fan of The Wire, um, huge fan of West Wing. That's probably the show that I rewatch the most just like have it on as kind of background noise um um but yeah i i, I watch a lot of uh, a lot of tv I also try to watch a lot of movies that's like going to be probably my main it's like my main hobby out of season probably uh he's a 40 year old white guy i mean he watches the show he just listed like all the shows that 40 year old white guys like yeah i mean which are also the shows that i like so i mean like yeah yeah it's like he likes breaking bad who didn't know that who didn't know that nathan baird liked who breaking see that bad coming? Um, I like sort of the uh, the high end. Oh, uh, billions like, is another one I put yeah. on that list. Oh, big yeah, billions. You know who that target market is? Yeah, four year old Everybody who looks like Brian Koppelman. Yeah. Uh, okay. Any seniors? This is from the two one six. Any seniors who you think are going to have better pro careers than college careers on this team? If so, why? And and I think you know what we can expand it beyond seniors. Um, because it's, I mean, it's hard to think about the top of your head. I mean, like the one thing people at one point draft analysts liked Robert Landers as like a smaller guy with leverage on the defensive line. I felt like there was a lot of that out there last year. I haven't felt that or read that this year. I think people think again. Draft people think Davon Hamilton is making a move this year. 
I think he's he's making a difference with some uh, pressure in the interior. The NFL loves guys who can get pressure on the interior. I think Davon Hamilton's like going to be a guy who gets like a senior bowl invite and is going to have a chance. I, I mean, I, I think Davon Hamilton is probably like a sixth round pick or a fifth round pick, but he might be like in a rotation at defensive tackle for a guy who has n- you know never made a gigantic difference here in his first first four years, but is playing really well. I think Jay Sean Cornell fits the same kind of thing. If you're one of the, if you're a defensive lineman who's a little versatile. It has like Larry Johnson's fingerprints all over you. Like that's a pretty good deal. Now also like Adolphus Washington was like a third round pick and like has been fine, but like has not been like a great NFL player right. or anything. So because Adolphus Washington has been a grown man since he was ten. I mean he's real. I mean like Adolphus Washington is a defensive tackle who has the length of a defensive end. And like yeah. if you wanted to put a package together, I I thought that guy's got maybe that guy could really pop. Um, and it kind of hasn't happened, which is which is fine. Um, Seventeen. We I mean, were ten years old. What? Say it again. First time, You're mumbling. Ever, first time I ever saw him, I think I was ten years old. We were both ten years old because we we're the same age, and he looked like he was a seventeen-year-old. How did you see him? Just like at the mall? No, like an AAU tournament. And he was just like freaky. Yeah, he had a beard going. <laughs> like in fifth grade. <laughs> I've got a friend who's actually had a beard since sixth grade, so I believe that. I'm like. Yo, there's no way. Like, dude, you're, you're you're 16. Like, why are you playing with us? Um, he doesn't remember that story, but I do. I would also maybe put um, the tight ends on this list, uh, just because they don't they don't get enough targets in this offense. And I'm not I'm not arguing that they should. This is obviously a, a very multifaceted offense, but you could see someone like and it's early in his career Barry. for Ruckert, but somebody or even yeah maybe even someone like Rashad Berry who could get an, an an opportunity at the pro level where he could get targets that he's not getting here. Rashad Berry's a really good one. That guy's going to test through the roof. Yeah, at the combine, like you can see him as even just like kind of a red zone specialist almost. He's so, I mean, he's remarkably athletic on a team filled with athletes. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a really good dude. He has like done his job for five years. Again, like all these tight ends, it's like they just they just do without much reward, right? But he. like if you're looking for like a wrinkle guy, like a little bit, like he can block like a tight end, but mm-hmm. like H back stuff, get out in yeah. space a little bit. I mean, it's like I look at some of the tight ends the Browns have rolled out this year, and David and Joku's been hurt, but like they've rolled out some dudes that suck. Yep. And so it's like, well, yeah, Rashad Berry could do that. Mm-hmm. Rashad Berry, uh, you know, I mean, so so if you have that that size speed package. They can do some stuff with you. So I, that's you guys both mentioned. I, I, that's a really good one. I think Sorry. he might go like to the top of my list because he's almost – Luke Farrell gets a lot of snaps here. Ruckert we talked about a lot in the preseason, yep. and he just hasn't gotten the opportunities like we thought he might get after the Florida and Atlantic game. And he'll guys by, at the combine when he tests – when he tests, they'll, they'll be shocked that he was how, of how he was used. His vertical and like his yeah. agility – and well, stuff like that, like ability, like the tests that show that you can maneuver in short spaces and be yeah. explosive, huge. Yeah, but but you got to remember, we're talking about in those situations, it's about kind of going to the next level and finding a niche where they can use you. I don't think he would necessarily be an all-around tight end. If you're a team that needs a guy out there to be 
a four down tight end. I don't know if he's your guy. I think him was kind of a specialist. Yeah, you put him in in two tight end sets. You put him in in those red zone situations where he can go up and get it. I I see him having a role. The Browns signed a guy named Ricky Seals Jones. Like after last cut was cut by Arizona and has wound up gotten getting some targets here. Um, Cousin Joku's injury, and he's just like a really long, athletic yeah. guy mm-hmm. who you play 20 snaps a game. And it's right. like if that guy has a spot, I think a guy like Rashad Berry could have a spot in the league. 704, I don't know if we have a great answer on this. I'm not going to pretend. Uh, we like to keep it real here. I don't know about Michigan. I don't really, you know, like they've, it feels like they figured it out a little bit. I understand people asking. We'll get it. We'll start digging in on Michigan more the closer we get. Is Michigan really back after beating Notre Dame? Notre Dame almost lost to Virginia Tech and did lose to Georgia. Georgia lost to South Carolina. Who is Notre Dame or Michigan really beaten? I'm still in the camp thinking that Ohio State is going to demolish the rest of their Big Ten schedule. That's David. That's Kelly David Jones in the 704. Um, the Michigan State-Michigan game might be interesting. Yeah, I mean, Michigan has some players, right? I yeah. mean, I think when you're talking about who can compete with Ohio State, you've got, you're looking for those baseline level of players. Michigan has some players, and if their offense is able to get out of its own way a little bit, you know, their quarterback's a veteran. I don't think he's he's not as good as he people thought he was going to be when he was a five-star recruit. Um, but they have, they have some guys... And they just looked lost and fragile as every, you know, and they look less lost and less fragile. So up there, I mean, it's going to, it's not going to be a walkover. There are, the thing that's hard about, like the Michigan team, and this is obvious and it's not really a point, but like in 2013, Tyvis Powell intercepts the two-point conversion try to, to, to secure that win against Michigan. That Michigan team was not very good. That Michigan team was could not get out of its own way that whole season. And then they rose up and played a game. This Michigan team is better than some Michigan teams that have pushed Ohio State in the past. So, again, you have to factor that in. It's a, t- it's, it's a rivalry game on the road. And for a moment, it looked like it's a rivalry game on the road against a team that has some players, but they're so incompetent that there's nothing to worry about. Like, they're incompetent. They can't do basic things. They can't fit their offense to their players. They're non-functional. I think they've backed off incompetent and non-functional. So then you have some good players, you're decent, and you're at home. And that becomes, the week after Penn State, that becomes a thing where Mm -hmm. I just would advise Ohio State fans, I felt it too, just from a cursory standpoint of... You don't have to worry about Michigan anymore. I would make sure you're not thinking that way because as we've talked about extensively and we'll keep talking about, Penn State-Michigan double dip at home against the number four team in the country on the road against the top 20 team who is your death rival, it's not going to be easy. No. And I, you know, not to completely rehash the, the high-volume argument we were having 45 minutes ago, but we talked about the scenario where Ohio State could lose to Penn State and still get in. I actually think maybe the more realistic option is if you were to if Ohio State were to beat Penn State, lose at Michigan somehow. I know that's a, a, a terrifying thing to even suggest on on this podcast for some people, but you lose at Michigan somehow, still come back and win the Big 10 Championship game. I think that is maybe a more secure path to stay in the playoff. Well, cuz the part of that would be um, you're still winning well, a conference. So losing to your rival doesn't well, matter, no, and but, it's a road loss. Right, right. That's the thing. You're getting in. Okay. You're getting in to the Big Ten championship. You're yes. a champ. Okay. Yes. Which is the which is the differentiating factor there that 
um, it eliminates part of your argument because now we're not discussing Ohio State as a one-loss non-champ. We're discussing right. them as a one-loss mm-hmm. champ. Right. And that means they're on equal footing right. with Oklahoma and Oregon. Exactly, because that loss at yeah. Michigan is, is really going to be seen as no worse than losing at Auburn if you're Oregon or losing at Kansas State if you're Oklahoma. That's a very similar loss because it's on the road, similar caliber of team, presumably, as, as we're looking ahead a month. And you still have the championship, and you still have a team that's that the team that the committee feels is the best one right now. And it is it, it uh, the championship is something in itself that you get a trophy and you are crowned right. a winner of a collective right. group, and that is right. in the the scenario that's written down for the committee. That should matter, but it also is just another opportunity for a good win. Right. So that's that is hard sometimes of like not getting there. It just it doesn't give you another shot to be like remind we're reminding you that we're good we're reminding you that we're good so I, I almost think like I almost think they're like like in the Michigan scenario I think they're like a thousand percent in I, I think yeah. they might be yeah because and I also would caution people not to be looking at don't look at how many losses any of these teams opponents has that's coming up look at where the committee is ranking them. As to, far, as to how, how important that win could be as far as helping their resume or not. Serious question. Okay, let's, let's talk about this a little bit because um, we got to find a better answer to this. Let's put this on the list of trying to find a better answer to it. It wouldn't be a bad post to help people. If you're thinking about going to the playoff as a fan, here's what you should – here's your primer. This is the question. From the 615, what's the best way to secure playoff tickets without paying an arm and a leg? This was sort of covered before, but wondering if you can go into more detail. We can't become go into, a sports writer. We can't go into great <laughs> yeah. detail right now. I, I will tell you that the main thing is to start figuring out how to get yourself there. So I would start securing hotels in Atlanta and start looking at refundable flights to Phoenix and hotels in Phoenix. The thing that happens, and I and I and I and I think I'm right on this. We'll we'll make sure, we'll get in on we'll do something on this. I do think sometimes with the semifinal, depending who the opponents are, people are waiting to go to the championship. And it is hard. There's not a lot of us in the world who have enough money to go to two playoff games. Mm-hmm. With a fan base like Ohio State, there's enough Ohio State fans that one chunk can go to the semifinal and then another chunk is happy to go to the final and there's not really a shortage there. Depending who the semifinal opponent would be, I think there's a world where if you can get your flight or if you're going to drive and your hotel set up, I think you can go and have some belief that you'll be able to get a ticket close to game time that might not bankrupt you because the market gets flooded. And I think there's a perception sometimes of like, oh, my God, we can't get a ticket. You know what? And then some people get there and it's like, well, some people didn't pull the trigger. They decided they're waiting. And the market in the moment, the day before the game, is doable. So I like there's no it's the same answer to everything ohio state's gonna get a bunch of tickets they're gonna give half the tickets to there's an allotment whatever they get fifteen thousand per team i think it's something like that so each team will get that that's thirty thousand the others are already out there and maybe there's a fiesta bowl list that you can get on again we should check on this stuff i think you can investigate trying to like figure out depending who their opponent is if it's like oregon and is oregon gonna travel you know like Maybe you can get in with the fan base that isn't as voracious as Ohio State. 
Um, you will have an opportunity, I think, in some kind of lottery through Ohio State to try to get something. I would not buy a secondary ticket now from StubHub or Tickets R Us or whatever at the moment because I think stuff is going to be priced really high. If you end up going on the secondary market, I would wait. And I would go and I would tell myself, I'm going to go, I'm going to have fun. If it turns out that all the tickets before the day before the game are $5,000, then I'm just not going to go. I'm going to watch it in a sports bar, but I'm in the city. I think there's a reasonable belief to wait and think you can get it for an okay price the day of or the day before. So that would be my advice, but that's a story that we should probably start looking into because you guys should be preparing. We're starting to prepare because we're laying out scenarios where like they're probably going to win out. They love them. If they lose to this team, they're still in 100%. And if they lose to this team, they're still in maybe. So, like, you got to start preparing. Okay. 412, 412 says, a prediction for Stephen. He'll get half the pizza down fine. Start feeling, ba- feeling, feeling bad. Eat maybe one more slice and quit. We will set a final over under. We had said it was pizza minus one and a half which would mean six and a half slices is some kind of victory. You at least cover the spread against it. I feel like maybe the line is moving a little bit. I, I checked some sites. I think the line the line might be down to pizza minus two. I don't know. that. Like I don't think it's going to drop as far as pizza minus three because pizza minus three is now dinner. Yeah. Like I've been at – I've done yeah. pizza minus three and yeah. I've covered that spread. Yeah. You've done five slices. I can cover a, a but- three-slice spread. But if that's not, yeah, that's, two, I feel like that's the, that should be the reasonable like just don't just. No, but also, period. I never. While I said no, nothing to eat about dinner. this is reasonable. <laughs> when what do you mean the reasonable no. expectation? <laughs> no, but that's the thing. But also, but if you just cover the spread, but you don't win, I mean, you can't say you won. You, you right. cover the spread. I mean, right. like if if if, if Maryland, Maryland loses forty three to nothing, spread. they still didn't win. Mike Loxley is not getting Gatorade dumped on <laughs> right. for covering the spread. That'll be amazing. Right. <laughs> so we have to make sure we uh, properly react. But like if if it's forty three nothing, we'll be like, huh, huh. Maryland, Maryland hung around a little more than I expected. If you if this if if the spreads minus two and you eat six, we'd say, huh, huh, huh. that's pretty good. You didn't win. <laughs> yeah. you know. Good, 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 good. Trip. We'll have to check the line right before we start. We'll, <laughs> we'll appreciate the, the effort. We'll recognize and appreciate the effort. Oh no, no, I'm not. I'm not. He's not going to agree to I'm not agreeing to that. Uh, from the four one two. Also, how big of a deal is it that Ohio State's number one? Like, I mean, like that's like they've never been number one in like during the thing. And of I, course, we know what Ryan Day said, and he blew it off, but. Well, it doesn't buy them anything except it does tell you the esteem that the committee has for them. They clearly control their own destiny as far as being in the playoff regardless. When you're number one, I think if you – there's no scenario where someone's number one keeps winning all the way through and doesn't make the playoffs. That's so obviously they control their own destiny there. And they probably control their own destiny for being one of the top two seats if they win out. And I think more than and anything, it gives them some cushion. That's too. what it is. It's like you hear teams say that oh, we control our own destiny, but no, actually, you do factually control your own destiny if you're a top two team in the college, in the first rankings. Because Penn State, and Penn State probably does control its own destiny. But if Clemson was the four seed and Penn State was the five, I don't know if you could say to Clemson yeah. you control your own destiny. All right, let me let me ask it this way: What if the season had played out exactly how it played out so far, and the rankings last night 
where LSU won, Alabama 2, Clemson 3, Ohio State 4. I think, for starters, Joe Klatt would be on Fox Sports right now talking about SEC bias. How should Ohio State fans or Ohio State as a team have reacted to that? And, of course, we know what Ryan Day is going to say, but honestly, in their heart and in their souls and their minds, how would they have reacted to that? Um, I think they would probably – it would be a um, rallying cry for them a little bit that they would feel a little bit disrespected just because of the form of the ball. But what could they do about it? You can't do anything about it. And, again, it wouldn't – all it would tell you is if you keep winning, you're probably in the top four. From a motivational – I do think that's like – I think like 43 and a half would be really low for that Maryland line. If they came in number four, just because I think Ohio State would be coming in there trying to prove a point now. So here's what I think. I think if they were number four, uh, people would be freaking out. Yeah. Like, it's all we would be talking about today. We would have gotten, we only got like 70 questions. Well, you asked about what, we the, what the team would say, not about what No, I know, what but the... I said fans also. Oh, okay. fans would be confused. Like, this is like the best defense in the country if and one of the best offenses. Fans in the would be country. reacting the way Clemson fans are reacting today yeah, as far as why are we be, number five. How but it would be possible? reasonable reacting and not but just this like. This is the best that Ohio State, there's nothing more. Right. That Ohio State could have done. There is no asterisk to this season. There is no caveat. There is no full obvious flaw. And if they're best, you're Ohio State. But as we have written and said many times, you are not Clemson and Alabama. In this modern era, since winning the playoff, you are not in the top echelon of college football. So now you are doing right this moment everything you can do. Statistically, eye test, balance, dominance, NFL players on both sides of the ball, great coaching. This is the best Ohio State can be. And if the best Ohio State could be got them fourth in the rankings, I think it would be some kind of sign that the best that Ohio State can be is not good enough. Instead, this is a reminder that the best Ohio State can be is the best in the country. When you are at your best, you are number one. And they, the 13 people who hold college football in their hands, none of this matters. We don't matter. The fans don't matter. The coaches don't matter. 13 people in a conference room overlooking a lovely lobby with fresh, crispy bacon. They control everything. And what they think of you, they give you little peaks. And what they said is, Ohio State's best means they're number one. And I think that, of course, of course, it doesn't matter. You have to win your games. All the coach speak. But as we're talking about all these slivers, someone said it's a, it's a fine, whatever you said before, it's like a fine cut on this stuff, mm-hmm. right? We are separating the best of the best through imaginary means in a way that is impossible. But throughout all of that, in this kind of fake, kind of imaginary, hard to figure out, nebulous, weird, They're trying their best, but it's not a very good system. In that world, they picked Ohio State. And, like, it doesn't mean that people should have a parade. It doesn't mean Ohio State should get a big head about it. But, like, yeah, they might have been motivated if they were fourth. I think they should be reassured that they're number one. I think the fans should be reassured. Like, of course I don't mean this. God, I should write this. Ohio State's back. They're number one. Now, if they have a devastating loss, it's going to affect them, just like in the past. They're getting ready to play a team 
that they beat last year after they gave up 50 points and it came down to a missed two-point conversion. And now they're expected to beat that team by 44 and they're number one in the country. Like, they were already back, right? They've done everything they can do to be back. This is the world recognizing that they are back. In a year when I thought they were going to go 9-3, and three, in a year where it's a reset of this program, the reset has them on top. Doesn't mean, doesn't guarantee anything. But I think it is a somewhat significant, reassuring recognition of what all of us who watch them every week have been seeing with our eyeballs. But you never know. Context is everything. That's what we try to bring. When we bring in Adam Rittenberg and we bring in Joel Klatt and we bring in other people around the country, we know this team better than anybody. We don't know how they fit in. And when they're boring awesome, all that matters is how they fit in. This game doesn't matter. They're gonna whether they win by 20 or 50 or 100. Say next week. All that matters is what does it mean to how you fit and that they fit in at number one, I think is a huge deal. All right, let's get to a couple more. Is Penn State actually this, this is a this is a good question because let's move it beyond rankings. And again, I'm, we're not gonna pretend that we're experts on these guys. We're experts on Ohio State, everything else we do our best. Is Penn State actually this good? This is from the 614. My heart tells me everyone sucks, so they get ranked number four because Clemson isn't convincing enough. But my head tells me they can't hang with any team in the top ten outside of Florida, who is also the glorified Outback Bowl team. Am I am I taking crazy pills? Like, I do think That's it's easy little... it's easy in college football to fall into the everybody sucks thing. And so if you think everybody sucks, then it's just Penn State's number four because they suck a little less than so everybody. What's their or most, are they good? What's their most impressive win right now, if you had to say? Penn State's most impressive win right now, probably either winning at Iowa or at Michigan State, or I guess beating Michigan, even though that was a home. I think they were up twenty-eight to seven in that game before Michigan. The way that close. that first half against Michigan, yeah. right? Yeah, those are all I think really good wins. Um, depends on how. I mean, the, the one not great win they had was beating uh, Pittsburgh at home, but again, it's a rivalry game. Pittsburgh's not. What about beating Idaho seventy nine to seven? I would. Well, I think you could make it. I mean, how about at the time when they beat Maryland? So they beat Maryland on a Friday night when we were in Nebraska. We were at um, whichever uh, place of 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 gaming. We were at a casino. We were at a casino. No, 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 on Friday night. Not Stephen. Stephen was. I wasn't. I wasn't. Stephen was sleeping in an airport. Stephen was doing plane trains and automobiles (laughs) with John Candy to get to Omaha. But um, uh, and we looked up and that game was over in an instant like it was supposed to be maryland's big i mean maryland been ranked early that year there's supposed to be a big night for them sellout crowd huge you know, huge moment and penn state just scorched the earth that night and that was kind of my first that can't be an impressive one anymore like, it's not no it's not an impressive okay, one cool. anymore well but for the anytime same reason right anytime but, you beat a power anytime you beat a power five rival on the road 59 to nothing I, I will say in that very moment and i know the point you're making and okay. you can make it after this in that very moment it was there were a couple people who thought maryland might be primed for an upset there that maryland yeah. might be ready okay. to get them that week it was an impressive win lsu texas <laughs> that week was an impressive win but what we know now that's no longer an impressive win well I mean, maryland sucks yeah because maryland sucks but also, you know why maryland sucks because mm. they used to be in the acc Okay. I would say, yes, that succession of beating Iowa in Iowa and then beating Michigan and then beating Michigan State at Michigan State, I think that's an impressive stretch. Now, the one thing is, when you look at it again, 17-10 to 10 over Pitt, 17-12 yeah. to 12 at Iowa, 28-21 against Michigan because the Wolverines came back, 28-7 against Michigan State. They, not, they have three games by, less, by a touchdown right. or less. They're yeah. not plastering teams no. the way that Ohio State 
or Alabama or even LSU has has generally done. Although LSU's big wins have come by more reasonable margins too, beating Auburn and, and Florida. But those are again consensus two of the top what 10 12 teams in the country now the, the the thing that i think is beyond all that other stuff right they have some good players and again it's why what's the difference between right. penn state and minnesota is that penn state has better players in minnesota and everybody yeah. knows it yeah. so like kj hamler yeah. is is a really good player that ohio state's defense is going to have to figure out like in the big 10 with the lack of quarterbacks in the big 10 sean clifford as a young guy who appears to be figuring it out He's not Jalen Hurts or Joe Burrow or Tua Tonga-Vailoa or Trevor Lawrence. But you know what? He's more competent than almost anybody else out there in the Big Ten. That's a thing. Noah Kane, they have a bunch of running backs they could go to. Noah Kane was a big-time recruit. He seems like he's doing some things. Micah Parsons was a guy on the defensive side that Ohio State was very interested in. You start going through. They don't have Saquon Barkley, right? They've had some really good receivers over the years. They have some things, too. And again, it's like you start, you look at their record, you look at their strength of schedule, whatever, but they also have some guys. And that's the difference between, you know, why I wasn't as worried or what well, we we didn't think, when we tried to figure out, well, what Wisconsin guys going to beat you? Yeah. Besides Jonathan Taylor, what else scares you? We couldn't really find anybody. They had the guy, Bond, Braun, Vaughn. That guy, no offense to that guy, whatever. But like Penn State just has a couple more dudes. So I think that factors into it, too. So... I understand, like, you guys understand what the question is asking, yeah, like, why right. might people might feel that. Right. So if you had to lean, are they more just, like, the least sucky of a of a sort of, like, it's hard to figure out who's good? Are they good, the top or, of are the second actually, tier? Yes. Are they top of the second tier, or are they more legitimately should be looked at as knocking on the first tier? I think they're the top of the second tier. I, I think so, too. Just because they have more ways <laughs> that they can... You know, threaten Ohio State, even if they don't necessarily win the game. I don't. I don't. I'm not convinced that they are better than Clemson. And like, so yeah. where would you say Clemson is in the first tier or the second tier? I would still put Clemson in, in the, the first top tier. Tier. Yes. So even that, though Penn State's ahead of them in the first yeah. rankings, Clemson's in a terrible conference. But like, even in that terrible conference, it's like this wide gap in between them and second place. So we do we is the top tier then Ohio State, Alabama, LSU, Clemson. That's yeah. what I. Feel, yes. And then Penn State is in the but Penn next... State is yeah Penn State is in is just out of that tier. They're the number one team in that second tier of good teams. And now with Oklahoma, with some of the things that yeah. showed up Oklahoma, in their loss, Oregon, they're... Georgia, Florida, all that. Yeah, not that big of a Florida guy. Nah, so. you're, you're probably right. But yeah, okay, I think you're right. That's probably it. Oregon, Oklahoma, Penn State, Georgia. Georgia is probably that second tier, yeah. and that Penn State is the best of that second and tier. And then you break into a whole other tier that has like maybe like Florida, Utah. Yeah, go ahead and throw those undefeated. Maybe Wisconsin. Yeah, Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Maybe we're Michigan starting to build back. That tier is bigger to me. Yeah, that third tier is a little bit bigger. And I and I think I, I think that's a good way. I don't. I think I agree with you guys. I think that's a good way to analyze it. And that's kind of how I vote. Frankly, if people, and I've, I've written that a couple times this year where I don't, people think, well, why did you vote this team against ahead of this team? You know, but the Auburn Florida argument came up, and part of it was because when I started separating the teams, I didn't have those two teams right next to each other. So I wasn't really considering them head to head as far as who might have won a narrow game at home or, or whatever. You know what I mean? So that that's. I, I do. I sort of separate them into those tiers and then vote within those tiers. And sometimes the separation within those tiers can be very small. You know who else does it that way? The committee. Yeah. You think like a committee person. <laughs> Let's get you in the committee, baby. I do. Uh, I might retire next year just because I'm burned out and I'm old. 
my body's falling apart. But I want to be the I want to be the media retired media person on the uh, on the committee. I mean, you're taking the steps already. You've already been on the mock committee, so they yeah. know how you think already. No, yeah. and also they hate me because I went to the mock committee and then wrote like a bunch of stories. It was like <laughs> this is embarrassing and ridiculous. Um, I'm gonna write one more story about it uh, that I was saving for the first rankings to come out. It's sort of how um, my opinion on how. Actually, the college football playoff rankings in its history have basically worked for everybody except Ohio State. That, like, if, if Ohio State didn't exist, it actually would have gone kind of smoothly. And it's like sort of a crazy thing to say, but Ohio State has been the toughest team for them to evaluate. Um, and I want to dig into that. And then, the, like, the last point of that is it sure looks like Ohio State might be making it really easy on them this year if things go as we've been talking about when. They have literally been every year, every decision that they make, every controversial decision of the first five years is triggered off Ohio State. The Something that Ohio State did either triggered an evaluation of Ohio State that affected the whole thing or triggered an evaluation of like a team that played Ohio State that affected the whole thing. So can you still make the argument that even if they weren't necessarily performing on that level, they were still in that like same tier as Clemson and Alabama? Because no, because I think Clemson and Alabama separated. I mean, when like, they're when they're playing for the national championship, the national yeah, championship right. every year is Clemson versus Alabama. But to your point of like, they're still the biggest, uh, having the biggest impact on how things shaped out. Uh, but but also those teams again. He's uh, Doug's point that they've separated themselves. It's also they were not in the mix of whether they get in or not. They were in. They right. they were putting themselves yeah. in. They were winning themselves into the mix in a way that Ohio State I was wasn't. just more looking at the point of like if like the, to your point of saying that like Ohio State has been like the biggest like this deciding factor since we've opened up this this college football playoff. I mean like you can't really have an impact if you're not in that tier. No, that's true. But Clemson and Alabama, Are Alabama, yeah, Alabama's been in all five. They're years. performing. Clemson's so yeah. been in four of the five every year but the first year. So they're like locks. I'm like, Ohio State's not a lock. Ohio State's in the mix. So mm-hmm. if we're talking tiers, if you look in the playoff era, the tiers that you would have are tier one is Alabama-Clemson. Yep. And then tier two is like Georgia-Oklahoma-Ohio State. Yep. And then there's a tier three. So they're definitely in tier two, but they also definitely are not in tier one. And if you would have looked after the first year of the playoff, you would have thought, of course they're in tier one. They are the... You could argue they are maybe the Penn State of what we were just talking about as far as this season. Like yeah. the top of that next yeah. tier. The team that's like really just trying to scrape to get into that tier. But for whatever reason, they're just just a smidge outside. All right. Let's go eat some pizza. Um, we're like an hour 45 into this. What we're going to do is we're going to take our stuff over there. We're going to order the pizza and we're going to like break in. So it's going to be a smooth thing for you to listen to. But... You're not going to have to listen to him try to eat for two hours. We're going to bring you highlights of this, or lowlights, as the case may be. Um, we, we know that you're interested. We appreciate you hanging through all this uh, regular old football talk on the path toward the thing that you actually care about, which is how old are you? I'm 25. A 25-year-old man attempting to eat eight slices of Chicago-style deep-dish pizza at the Giordano's a mile from my house. I'm probably never going to eat deep dish pizza ever again after you this. You may never though. eat anything again. <laughs> this may be your last meal. All right. Next time you hear from us. Are your affairs in order? <laughs> we will be. Write in- your mom's phone number down for us. <laughs> Did you guys see like the thing on NFL? 
com with Jerome Baker looking for his mom in the stands at the Dolphins game. Yeah. They had like a, a minute cut of Jerome Baker line, just like he was mic'd up for the Dolphins game. Yeah. And the whole game he was going, where's my mom? I can't <laughs> find my mom. It was so cute and funny. And he finally found her. And then the Dolphins also won. Yeah. Steven might be looking for his mom by about slice number three. <laughs> All right. You'll, next time you'll hear from us, we will be inside Giordano's. Thanks for listening to Buckeye Talk. All right. So... We're here on Buckeye Talk. We're in Giordano's. The pizza has arrived, and Stephen uh, is about to put the first piece in his mouth. It's actually cut into ten slices instead of eight. And Stephen, when the pizza arrived, what, was it was it bigger than you thought it would be? No, it's about the size I thought. I think that ten slices is going to make it harder. Honestly, I know there's smaller slices, but like now you have to look up and see that there's more pizza left. When, when you look at this pizza, are you still thinking to yourself, I can do this? I have faith in myself, but ask me again after three slices, and we'll have another conversation. Again, we had been talking about, we had said pizza minus a slice and a half, assuming it was an eight-slice pizza. It is a ten-slice pizza. What is the final betting line for the ten-slice pizza, Nathan? I think, so then you have to adjust it to like two and a half, right? I think that's fair, if not three. Yeah. I mean, if he eats seven out of ten, does he cover? I think he might cover if he eats seven out of ten. At least push. Uh, but that's that's definitely short of the percentage that six and a half would have been of eight. If you can, I'll give you a T-shirt, all right? Oh, <laughs> now. i a T-shirt Now. I've only seen one other person do it. So it's possible. It is possible. That's we had a group of uh, fraternity guys come in, and they, they, yeah, yeah, they, uh, the one guy was betting everybody he could do it, and they all said no way. And I said, hey, if you do it, I'll throw in a T-shirt. Sure right. enough, he did. I accused everybody else of cheating, and they said no because we lost money on this. So. Oh, that's all I need to hear. <laughs> yeah, I'll throw in a T-shirt for you. All right, We're holding him accountable. We, the world is behind him. So, so you think two and a half is fair? If he eats seven and a half. He covers. We'll set the line at pizza minus two and a half slices. Stephen Means is halfway through his first slice. We'll be back. We'll keep you updated. We're going to pause it for now. All right. Are you starting to feel sick after half a slice? No, or no, this no? is really good. Okay. Okay. All right, so the manager brought over the shirt that says, what does it say? I'm into fitness. I'm into fitness whole pizza in my mouth. Yeah. Yes, it's a that's nice what shirt. It is. It's almost worth like sacrificing your dignity and <laughs> health for. So the he also updated us on the idea that this large ten slice pizza, and again, Stephen just got cheese, is a pound of cheese. No, a pound and a half of cheese. Yeah. He said, and a pound of dough, plus some tomato on it. And Stephen put his. Hands over his ears. Oh, and now I just told him the. He didn't want to hear the numbers, and I just revealed them. You have, you're on your second slice, but you have a crust strategy. Explain it. Yeah, I'm not really a big fan of pizza crust in general as it is, but what I'm going to do is like save all the crust for the end. So at bare minimum, the pizza part is gone, and then I can begin to eat crust. What do you What do you think of that slice? 
Oh, is that his slice? Oh, that's yeah. what. Oh, no. I did, I did by accident. I'm you sorry. just took one of his slices. I thought that was ours. No. I'm putting it back. There's Look at of, this. There's a part of Doug that wants to help me. No, that, there is no part of Doug so that wants to help me. Nathan and I are splitting a pizza. Well, now. my question on the crust is are we going to allow him to, like, Joey Chestnut Kobayashi it where he can, like, dip it in water like it's a, a hot dog? Eating I would say contest. yes. I, I think that should be allowed. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Would you like to dip this delicious crust in a glass of water before you shove it down your gullet ten times? Um, okay, so how are you feeling so far uh, as you start working through your second slice? I'm good. I'm trying to pace myself a little bit. I'll be, I'm going to go fast on the first two, and then I'll pick up a bigger piece. I'm sorry. I'll pick up a bigger piece and probably, like, pace that one out a little bit more. So the goal is, like, eat fast on two. Pace two, and then eat fast on two, and just go back and forth with it. So that way, I don't give myself an upset stomach halfway through a slice. <laughs> so you wouldn't want to get an upset stomach. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't want that. We wouldn't want that. All right, everybody's on their third slice right now. Nathan, you called the third slice the pivot point. What do you mean by that? You know, it's kind of like the third game in a best-of-seven series. Like one team is taking a lead or potentially getting out to 3 nothing, which is almost insurmountable. I feel like Steven is probably the, the zero in the 3 nothing <laughs> scenario we're discussing right now. I've just started my third piece. I don't hate myself yet, but I think I will by the time I get to the crust. doesn't mean I'm going to stop eating, but it does mean that I start to slow down a little bit. I have eaten enough of this pizza in my life. There are times when I get through the third slice and, and I still feel nothing and I'm still rolling, and there are times when... The third slice is the... Usually, you can always get through two. It just depends. Is the third slice where you start to feel it? Nathan, uh, Steven is on his third slice. Are you starting to feel it? No. I mean, it's a bigger slice than the first two I had. But no, I'm pretty good so far. I think I'm going to get through this one easily. Um, for me, I think that pivotal one will be number four. I think I'll have to choose wisely which slice I pick up. I think that's where I'm at now. It's about choosing the right slice at the right time. And I would like just to point out that that pivotal fourth slice is less than halfway through your pizza. <laughs> so however you feel after number four, you have to think to yourself, I'm not even halfway yet. It's All a right. quarter of the way. He's a quarter of the way through. Yeah. Yeah, it's the first quarter. This is the part where, like, Ohio State's offense still hasn't clicked <laughs> yeah. in yet. Maybe a huge second quarter rally. Or it's, or it's the point where they're up 28 to nothing on Nebraska. And again, Steven is Nebraska in this scenario. <laughs> or it's the point where, like, Michigan State's like, hey, maybe we can play with these guys. And Steven's Michigan State right now. He's like, oh, it's the first quarter. I'm feeling pretty good. And the pizza, which is Ohio State, is about to drop the second quarter explosion all over Steven's face. All right. Thanks for listening to Buckeye Talk. Pizza Talk. Buckeye Talk. Dude, we've only been here for about 15 minutes. Okay, okay, so we have an exciting development on as Steven is working his way through Slice 3. A special guest has arrived. Celebrity. This is officially an audience. Celebrity cameo. I didn't mean to crash the podcast, and I'm not going to talk. I'm going to let you guys do your thing. I just wanted to watch the failure in person. <laughs> Steven, does the fact that Ari Wasserman is now sitting next to you, how does it affect your opportunity to do, accomplish this goal. I honestly think it motivates me more because, like, there's nobody I want to prove wrong more than Ari at this point because he has been talking trash for, like, three weeks now on this thing. He is eating the pizza and feeding off the hate. Yep. Steven Means working. That's <laughs> crust at the end. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
All right, the discussion is hot and heavy here at Giordano's. Ari Wasserman has arrived. I have just finished my third. You are almost done with your third, Nathan. How do you feel? I'm getting pretty full, Doug, because I'm a normal human being. <laughs> I feel pretty good. Uh, I feel like I am definitely on a five-slice track for today, the way I feel after three. I think I could eat six. I think I could maybe eat seven today. Wow. And I'm a large person. I'm six foot one. I weigh probably like 220 pounds. I have a long man stomach. And I think I could get to seven. How are you feeling? But it doesn't, no one cares about us. How do you feel through, through three? I have a long man stomach. Yeah, that's a, that's a really weird way to put that. <laughs> I feel good. Um, I think the goal right now is if I can just get to seven and then I can begin to like really go at it. I'm going to treat this like I treated high school conditioning. If I can just get to a certain point and get to that second wind, then I'll be okay. I do think the second wind is a factor. And again, it's not do you feel, of course you're not going to feel good. When you're doing anything, sort of like if you're running a half marathon, you're not going to feel good through 13 miles. It's like, well, can I make it to 10 miles feeling good enough to be able to like drag myself through the through the final three so if you can get to seven without feeling like you want to curl up in a ball then can you drag yourself through the final three okay we'll be back all right we're at the point where like this is not as fun as it once was no, steven has not. his head in his hand <laughs> steven is on slice six yeah again he has a gigantic crust plate of dead carcasses of crusts on a separate plate that he's going to eat at the end. He is finishing the sixth pure slice and he's getting mad that Ari is looking at him. He's getting the food is entering his bloodstream in a way that's making him um, less tolerant of those around him. Which is reasonable, but it's also a sign of a man reaching the breaking point. <laughs> I just Steven, think there's been so much negative energy thrown into this. And then Ari walked in the door with that, with that smile on his face, ready for me to fail. So here's the part that I wanted to bring up that I think makes this more difficult. This is a, like many foods, like many hot foods, it is better when it is hot. Yeah. And every moment that it sits on this table, it gets less hot. And so I don't know if we can ask them to like reheat this baby up or whatever, but especially no. when it's a giant brick. No. <laughs> they can't reheat this is it. Part of the, <laughs> this is part of what he... Um, voluntarily, should I remind you, took on. This is part of the challenge. Food doesn't stay hot forever. He should have factored this in before making this ludicrous choice. He sounds like a parent. He's so mean. I mean, I'm mean. He's really mean about this. He sounds like a parent who's like, child did something wrong. He's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You're going to face these consequences. You decided to start your homework at yeah. 8 o'clock on a Sunday. Now you're going to finish it. This is like my little brother one time took a set of car keys and stuck it in a power outlet. He did that one time. He didn't do it twice. He learned his lesson. I don't know why Steven needed to go through this process to learn that he can't eat a whole large deep dish pizza by himself, but this is what's happening. Yeah. He did it one time because he died, and now Stephen is going to do this one time because he is going to die. Ari came in with a smile on his face. This is a fun, it's, it's podcast, it's beat camaraderie. I'm also sensing a change in Ari. I feel like Ari is enjoying this less because he's watching Stephen hit the wall. The guy's not even in the same ballpark of the game. 
He has an entire plate of crust, which is the hardest part to eat, and he hasn't even touched it's it yet. so negative. I'm trying to help him t to pick which slices to go and tell him to keep going. I'm trying to be motivating. But when you look at something like this plate of crust, you realize it's an insurmountable... It's like even when Steven, when Steven finishes a slice, he scored a touchdown, and you're feeling good about yourself, and you look up the scoreboard, and it's 77-7. seven. It's, it's over. And, like, if I were him, I would probably just stop eating it, throw the white towel, and, like, preserve the way I feel for the rest of the day. He does have a basketball game to cover tonight. It depends. But do you feel, is there a moral victory on the table here, Stephen? That, again, if you could get close, if you could cover the spread of 10 slice pizza minus 3, or I guess it was 10 slice pizza minus 2.5, if you could eat 7.5, would you feel that that is some sort of victory? Or is it like if you reach the point where you realize you're not eating the whole thing, are you out? I think... I'm, I think the goal right now is to get to seven and a half. That's still the goal. Get there, and then we'll see where everything takes us. Um, right now, I'm I'm at more than I'm hitting the halfway point. So like I'm I'm on my way. Hey man, I'm. I would just like to add that I am eating. I've eaten half a pizza, and I I feel great. I just I feel fantastic, and I might just eat a whole pizza just for fun today. No challenge. Not saying I. I'm not claiming except, that I can. Except it's only one slice and he's been sharing it with Nathan. No, I might just order a second pizza and just eat it. <laughs> I have a long man's stomach. All right, we'll be back. So you're at the point where... All right, there's a sad song. There's like a sad song on a Tiertano's. The place is kind of emptied out because we're post-lunch rush. And Stephen is just like staring off into space. And space includes four uneaten slices another half of an uneaten slice Steven and five crust carcasses. Steven has eaten as much pizza as I have today. <laughs> and I'm not in this I'm not participating <laughs> in a contest of any kind. Yeah, and okay. and that fourth slice was like my hard stopping point. And you know what? Listen, I, I don't think we can compare what I've eaten and what you guys have eaten because of the you mean less than No, me? the pace of which I had to stuff the pizza versus like you guys taking your time, enjoying a nice meal is two different ways of eating a pizza. Was there a time but, limit? Was there a time limit on him? Yes. There was a time. I couldn't just take eight hours. Yeah, but aren't we still like an hour and a half away from that time limit? Yeah, we got time, brother. I mean, we're good. We're good on time. The, 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 oh, we have I, a, I, I, mean, I thought I had like a, like a, like a 90-minute no, window. You said the eat. length of a podcast. Okay. Like, but, oh, yeah. if that's the case, then I'm good then. I'm thinking I had I mean, like a 90-minute window. No, I mean, we can't stay until... I'm not going to stay until 8 o'clock at night. I know that. I'm going to make soon. <laughs> I have things to do. Yeah, if, I, if you're telling me i got another 45 minutes, I'm good. I don't think that's true. <laughs> that's a lie. I mean, we have like a, like a normal, long meal. But how much is of this slice is left? Do you have four? Do you have... You've eaten five and a half slices, but none of the crusts. I don't eat crust anyway, so I'm not going to count that against myself. Unlike you guys who want to do that. If we were eating a pizza in my home, you would see crust on the pizza box because I don't like crust. Which we established beforehand is not, again, it'd be like, I can eat 10 hamburgers, but I don't like buns. It's like, well, then that's not kind of the thing. That's not majority of a pizza. Of a, of a, Hamburger though, like the crust isn't the majority of a pizza. Yeah, look at What's the crust on sitting on that plate and tell me that's not the majority of the pizza. We will tweet out at Buckeye Talk Pod uh, or at my Twitter, Douglas Maurice, the crust carcasses that we're gonna we're gonna we will tweet out what I'm is not. Getting, eaten. I'm more getting sleepy than I am getting full. To be no. honest, that's what it is. But again, I, 
I think, again, because you didn't eat the crust, it's a little hard to judge. I think it's possible we came here for your pizza challenge, and I think right now the order of most pizza eaten is Doug 1, Nathan 2, Stephen 3. It is. Oh, it, it absolutely is. <laughs> and I'm, I'm just... a partial judge here. <laughs> so... These are for the, the people who like crust. I don't like crust, so I don't count it against myself. In my opinion, it's the only one that matters here. Actually, that is exactly not true. <laughs> which is the whole, actually, which is why we're here. Because you, it's a millennial challenge. It's the, the if you think like, well, what I, all that matters is what I think. Yes, like, actually, it is. no, you can't just say a thing. Yes, I can. And have that be what matters. And then say, crust is not pizza and I can eat a whole pizza. Um, we are, uh, you can tell where we are at the point of this. We're at the point. We're a little, the breaking point. We're, all, uh, we're on edge. The breaking point. We're a little on edge. Uh, there's a lot of pizza in our bodies. Again, to be clear, I have eaten the most pizza, and I feel great. Steven is dying. We'll be back on Buckeye Talk. Okay, so it's over. Um, we will send uh, some information about this to our text followers. The manager and the uh, servers here at Giordano's in Westerville have been very helpful. We are paying the check, and Steven ate. In the end, less than half of the pizza. He ate, thank you very much, he ate five and a half slices, but no crust on any of them. So five and a half crustless slices when the entire pie was ten crust slices. We now give this over to millennial Stephen Means, who has a final statement on the pizza challenge. Also, the weight... This is another way of defining it, as, as we were reminded. The, way, the manager here, Jason, was kind enough to weigh the pizza at the start, which was 4 pounds, 10 ounces, almost 11 ounces. 4 pounds, 11 ounces, we'll call it. What was left at the end was 3 pounds of pizza. So we will say that Stephen ate 1 pound, 11 ounces of pizza, and he had 3 pounds left to go. So the numbers are what they are. Now a statement from Stephen Means. Okay. Um... Look, I'm very sleepy, so I'm going to make this very quick. I was wrong. I can admit when I was wrong, and right now I was wrong, and to say that I could eat a full deep dish pizza. I think my game plan was a little off on how to approach this. I think there was a better way to go about it. What that way is, who knows? I'm not going to find out because I'm never doing this again. But as I sit here in defeat, I'm sleepy, and I have to go cover a basketball game tonight. So that's it. So again, this is, I mean, this is a good learning lesson. There are times when a football coach, his team gets his butt kicked. That's all he wants to say. And then, oh, the pity t-shirt, the pity t-shirt. Oh, man. The millennials are never going to learn if we keep doing this to them. It's a participation trophy. It is. This is the YMCA trophy right here. Wow. So now we realize, I hope this... Steven just wants to get out of the press conference, and frankly, we're going to let him leave the press conference, but we have 30 questions about this. <laughs> there may be medical reasons why Steven needs to leave this press conference. Yeah, yeah. but um, if you were one of the people, and this is where it gets hard, there were people, Steven, and, and again, I just want you to take this into account as you move forward in your life, there were people that believed in you, that followed the belief you had in yourself, that believed in you, and they believed in a person who fell three pounds short on a four-pound, 11-ounce pizza. So I think it's a lesson for everyone here. Um, 
It takes more than believing in yourself. And we've been equating this with Cincinnati's loss to Ohio State. Cincinnati was not going to beat Ohio State, but the way the Bearcats and Luke Fickle won about that game just sort of eliminated any chance to even compete. And so on a day when Stephen Means was not able to compete with this pizza, I think we've all learned a lesson here. We had fun um, with the Giordano's Buckeye Talk pizza challenge, but I think more important than the fun, I think we've all learned something very valuable, which is that, God, Stephen was wrong. God, he could not have been more wrong. Um, so thanks to our special cameo from our friend Dory Wasserman, for Nathan Baird, and for... Again, I was going to say valiant in defeat. He didn't even eat half the pizza, okay, Stephen. Oh, no. Okay, listen. Oh, uh, see, that's good. He's back. He's back in the press conference. He's no. ready to answer some questions. No, okay. I don't care if you guys agree with this or not. I am not a fan of crust on any pizza. It doesn't matter the pizza. And y'all can go, it's an instrumental part of the deep dish pizza. I don't care. I do not like crust on pizza. So, in my head, I don't care if you guys want to count it against me or not. I'm not going to count the crust against myself. That is like, I am so excited to run up to the press box and start writing my column <laughs> about the coach who was like offering up inane excuses after a loss. This really, there's a lot of things here. Again, um, pizza eating turns out is a sport because uh, there are winners and losers, and I think we all know how that turned out today. Thanks to you guys for listening. We will be back with a post-game Buckeye Talk uh, after the Saturday game, Ohio State versus Maryland. We appreciate you listening. And that was Buckeye Talk.